This is Tancred, and you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio? How exactly does that work? Someone get Burnholes in here. I need him to explain this to me. I need to know the law behind this. This is Fern Hall. You spoony bard. And you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Please look forward to it. I think it's over. <laughs> Hi, everybody. And welcome to Aetherite Radio. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed the intro. <laughs> this is Gamerscape's Final Fantasy XIV podcast. We're here to tell you all this good stuff. Fusion is so mad at me right now. I love good stuff. I don't know why Fusion is... would be mad. I think that's selling exactly what we're trying to put out there. Uh, Listen, the thing doesn't play me sound, and my usual thing is like a sound cue. So it was like, uh, the oh, screen's yeah. black, go! <laughs> anyway. Uh, if you've been keeping up with us, actually, I should introduce this first. So I'm Zanidra, not Fusion X. Sorry, we're trying, we're here today without our beloved Fusion X because we want him to not melt. So he's, he's holed up with uh, air conditioning and uh, trying to not die. Good job on you. Uh, I also have Aldi, you know, and Rook. And once again, joining us, the illustrious Anonymous to help us out. Hello, hello. With a lower cast, hooray! Third and this technically the... final, theoretically. Uh, question mark. Yeah, sure, final. I was gonna say this is the third lore cast in a row we've managed to trap Moose here with us, yeah. and I feel like we could easily make it four. So I'm kind of planning <laughs> ahead for that. You know, there's something else that we could discuss. Definitely not gonna just talk about Nautilus today all day, and then sure. maybe do you know Zadnor next time. But. Um... <laughs> oh. I feel like Moose is a very busy man, and we will at some point have to let him go. Poor guy. One day. One day. Mm -hmm. uh. I mean, we've kept him in that room for so long. Shandong. The green void. Yeah. I mean, I've been up here on assignment on the moon. I don't know why. I could come back now. I built it. It's good now. You built it? Oh my gosh, you're done with the moon? Yeah, totally. You finished all the Endwalker content? Mm -hmm. What? There it's okay. I'm struggling over it's here. I have way too many windows right. open. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, all right, the Lord has window is right. Where'd it go? Oh no. <laughs> anyway, uh, we do have a little bit of news. So we're going to start with that today. Um, the 14 hour broadcast slash letter from the producer live is going to be Friday, July 9th. I'm pretty excited about that. Except, except that they're like, first half is a review of the recently announced Endwalker info. Review? Tell me something new! Theoretically, hopefully they will tell us something new. But uh, if you yeah. miss this one, it might not be that bad. Uh, the other thing, which I found really hilarious, is the second half, is Yoshi P is going to be joined by uh, Yosuke Saito and Yoko Taro to answer questions from the official forums about the latest 24-man series. <laughs> so really, yeah. you could watch that in Japanese and not understand, or you could watch our last podcast. <laughs> That's so true, Zen. That was brilliantly done. That was well done. <laughs> yes. Or, or at least watch the last podcast to have more questions and yes, submit them before that's that. That's true. That's true. Eventually, they will put those answers on, back on the official forums in English for mm -hmm. you to read. Yes. It has actually given me great joy to see how many people appreciated that cast. So I thank know. you, anybody who said oh, anything yes. anywhere to any of us. Um, yes, Moose. I mean, I think we all came out of it learning a lot, but it was also great just to like have such a big discussion. And I it made me consider that whole raid series in a different way. So 
exactly. maybe other people, if you missed it, it'll do the same for you. Yeah. Um, One can dream. Yes. Mm -hmm. And obviously we could not have done that without Moose's grand knowledge of not only 14, but also Nier, because I don't know what the heck's going on in Nier. <laughs> Well, I used up most of the juice last week, so don't expect me to be too helpful today. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. The, uh, the broadcast itself starts at 6 p.m. PDT, and the live letter starts at 7.30 p.m. PDT. Do, 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 do. And as you, normal, you can find that on YouTube Live, Nico Nico Live, or Twitch. I was looking around for news yesterday, and I saw that they had posted up all the art contest winners. There's some really great stuff in there. If you guys haven't yes. looked, holy crap. Somebody made a, like, life-size, very accurate table orchestrian. And it looks oh. amazing. Oh, it's yeah. so what? Cool. I didn't see that. I gotta see that. It's really That's neat. Awesome. It lights up and everything. Like, the faceplate and the little uh, blue thing on the top. It's really cool. You know. I did see that the reward for the, this time is actually like something new that's super cute. Isn't mm -hmm. it like a great serpent umbrella? Yeah. It's oh, adorable. That's really cute. And works too, because he's all stripey. Mm-hmm. What are yeah, you gonna say, Charles? Yeah. As, as more and more people get into the game, we just get more and more creators as well. And you can just see like the, the amount of fan art in the last couple of months really feels far and above before. And we're just gonna keep getting this. It's a great time to want to see these things. So all of the winners are up and all mm -hmm. of the, actually all of the contestants are up too. So you can see the people who won, people who made finalists and just everybody who sent anything at all. And it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good time to be honest, if you enjoy looking at people's art. So have a, have a look-see at that on the Lodestone. Um, the latest little mini patch, I looked through really quick and there's this really kind of cool little uh, feature where uh, when you log in, you can go directly to a different server. So you don't have to log in and then find an Aetherite. You can just log into a different server from that login menu, and then it'll put you, uh, I think, in the Aetherite next to your home city, or in your home city next to the Aetherite. It's so nice, especially if, like, you're on a world that's pretty busy and you're going mm -hmm. to go do something with friends or like an RP event somewhere else, or you're just gonna like do maps or something. You don't have to like wait for the queue to get into your world mm -hmm. and then go to the thing and that you can just be like right off the bat, please just put me in the place where everybody else is. I just mm -hmm. wanna go straight there, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, preemptive strats for Rawbone Extreme. Yeah. <laughs> so that's never gonna happen again. Or if you log but, you out know. on another server other than your own, you can just log yeah. in on yours again. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the great uses of it. I've also heard people saying that they think this, and I'm not sure if it was actually in the details on this, so tell me if I, I just don't know. Um, but people saying that they think that might be part of their preemptive stuff as well for the data center travel, that they may be trying to integrate it in that way. Although originally they had kind of said that you'd have to be like on the data center page mm -hmm. and then pick. So like maybe you will go like on your main, you log in, you get that screen and then you go to data center. But then from there, you'll be able to pick which world to sort of go into or something. It seems like it's kind of part of the preemptive structures right. for that, so. It doesn't mention yeah, it, but that well. makes sense to me, so. Mm -hmm. uh, they added a new emote and some new fancy digs to the mug shop. Uh, if you want to throw flowers forever, not have to carry all those uh, <laughs> fireworks with you, get that emote. And the, yeah. uh, the it's like a robe with like a scarf. It's very uh, Eastern, but very swank at the same time. So if that's your yeah. your aesthetic, 
check that out. It's pretty. It's I pretty good it. looking. Immediately, I bought it yeah. because I, I like the flair of an Eastern Summoner, and it just fits the bill immediately. There you go. And our last bit of news is actually Sadnor related. Ha ha. Okay. This makes me so sad. I, I just. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ready for this one. So, uh, Matsuno tweeted in reply to several players and fans on Twitter that his collab with 14 is actually over with the liberation of Boja. And granted, this is a. It looked like to me that it was a lot of uh, Google Translate. So maybe something was missed in translation. We're all hoping, basically, that something was missed in translation. But for right now, it sounds like all the Ivalice stuff in 14 is no longer going to have Matsuno hands on it. If it's even going to continue, yeah, I, don't, right. I don't know. This was like actually, especially as we looked ahead to doing this cast today, covering the lore, because this last portion that we got really seemed like it was going to be leading into the next portion of this Moose's story. Face. I yeah. was like actually gutted by this yeah. because he says, and like you can find actually on Gamer Escape, I think, uh, you know, off the Twitter and stuff like that, we went in and actually posted the tweets, right? And at first it was really vague where he was just saying kind of like, yeah, my part in the collaboration is done. And maybe that means that later on. And then he followed up in a couple comments saying that, mm -hmm. like, I guess the Japanese reception to it had been incredibly lukewarm. And it sounds like to me, the impression I got was that they had like canceled any future stuff for this. And I'm just over here like, what? no, 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 but it was, but I've been waiting for so long and he's such a great creator. And it's so frustrating uh, because, oh, yes. Thank you. The, the shirt that Aldino is wearing today also honors this. Like yes. the lore and the story that we're going to dig into today just is incredible. And um, whatever you thought of the actual content, I'm so bummed. We're yeah. not going to see him get to keep creating. Fusion in the chat space. says, does it make you sad, Nor? Fusion, you're not even on the podcast, and I have to tell you to get out. <laughs> this this really kind of took the wind out of my sails a bit, too. Um, because, like, when I was going through all this stuff, I was kind of just setting up, like, having all the field notes in front of me because it is so much information. But, like... As I'm doing it, I'm like seeing this pattern of what plot holes are left open and what story could possibly be told use by filling them. Um, and I don't know why I was doing that because after Evilies, I saw that there was a whole bunch of plot holes open. He was just like, "Okay, bye," and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I guess that's the Matsunosan way. Like he, you know, creates a bunch of stuff. He uses some of it. He's on his way." Um, I don't know why I didn't expect that this time around. I don't know why I looked at all of these after two parts and was like, oh, there's clearly a third part. They're not just leaving all of this hanging, but we are. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's uh, a bummer. Like I, I said in the pre-show, the thing that I immediately thought of was the movie Contact. If that's it, it's an awful waste of space, right? Like, We've got we're we're hitting the ground running with this stuff. It ends and we're in mid sprint, like with the story. It's like oh, and now, and then brick wall. Come on, mm. but on you know it is what it is. Yeah. On the flip side, um, at least all the tweets sort of let Mots know know that the uh, American slash NA fan base were actually really yes. into it. Yes. Yeah, I and like if, 
Yeah. yeah, if you haven't put one on there, I mean, you can easily, I'm sure, find, you know, in some of this, you know, whole conversation and his account and everything. But, like, go! It means yeah. so much to creators. And it seems like he's translating all the comments and things and or, you yeah. know, somebody is doing it for him. So, like, if you go and if there was any part of these that you enjoyed, I would just tell this man thank you. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like out of all of the Final Fantasy creators... Whatever you thought about, like, Tactics or 12, right? And at various points when they were released, it was pretty controversial because of certain... Like, especially with 12, because of the departure from turn-based mm. combat. And, like, as we have looked back on it and as things like Zodiac Age have come out, there is so much that was so ingenious about that game. And that was a really interesting risk. And I think it's worth it, especially with him, to just be like, hey, thanks for these stories and these cool, unique worlds and this fantasy feel right. and... Because I feel like out of all the creators, he tends to be the one that it's like, he's doing something really cool, and then yeah. they pull the rug out from underneath him. Charlie Brown with the football, right? Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I try to be fair and see it from kind of both both sides. I try to see if, I mean, I try to see everything from every angle, but like, in with Matsuno-san in particular, like I was a little nervous when he was coming in because it's just like, how much of 12 is now canon to 14? Like, how are we going to mesh those together? And he actually decided to rebuild it in a way that it was consistent with 14. I was really impressed with it. And then we left a bunch of stuff hanging. But then he came back to it and used it in a really good way too. Um, so I'm not going to say like there's, you know, this impeccable, unbeatable quality that no one could ever match. Like he, he, he has this grand vision and as he's executing it, he kind of bumps into stuff along the way. Some stuff falls off some tables, but if someone's like walking around cleaning that stuff up, you're going to love the result. So it's just like, can we get someone to clean up some vases and keep them around just a little longer? Like just those two, like we find a nice balance between those. It'll be okay. I absolutely agree. It's, it's so fascinating to me because no creator is flawless, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to always remember that too, right? Creators are people. The facets of their work that may shine or be really unique to who they are will always come with some kind of trade-off. Like, there's always going to be something because nobody can be all-encompassing. And so, just like you were saying, it takes a team to kind of come together and support different visions and fill in those gaps and do different things. And... Even as we talk about this content today, I have no doubt there will be a lot of things that we do bring up and we're like, this was weird, that was yeah. weird, this implementation was strange, this lore bit, is, what happened with that? Is that ever going to happen again? <laughs> like, but for all of that, I think uh, I've always found Matsuno to be just really fascinating in his use of language, his mm -hmm. use of world building, his really specific aesthetic and style and all of those things i too was kind of unsure how they'd get introduced and integrated into 14 but i think they actually worked really well really? and there were a lot of things that came out of this that were really cool lore things and really unique pieces of information we got yeah he, I mean, he trapped me in his grand vision a little bit yeah oh good job Oh, no, I was just going to say my, my greatest shame as a Final Fantasy player is that I've never finished 12 because I do not like the battle system, but I continue to buy it every time it comes out. I continue to try it once a year and I get say to the this, same spot. I say this to everybody because I played 12, like, it's like near one. I played it back in the day and mm -hmm. I loved it and I couldn't convince my friends to finish it. So I'm going to, I've been saying, I've been given this speech for years and years. I'm going to try it now, but I'm like... Ready. 12 <laughs> does require some patience. Like, 
For one, the battle system is unlike anything we've ever used in Final Fantasy before. And for two, the story has a tendency to really drag ass in the middle because it like <laughs> teases you to go do like side stuff. Oh yeah. And then before you know it, you're on the other side of the world and you're like, what was this story about? Like, what was I doing? Was I, I, I feel doing? like there was an emergency the last time I was talking to somebody and I've just been doing hunts for, but yeah. So like, if you can deal yeah. with that, those two things, it is a fantastic game, but like, I want to remind you that this battle system was lifted almost wholesale for Dragon Age to critical acclaim. Yep. Mm -hmm. To critical acclaim. Everybody loved it yep. in Dragon Age. We only ever talk about it in 12. Yeah. It's true. And things like Zodiac true. Age make it so much more approachable now. Like, this is like really, mm, if yeah. you go in and you put those settings on where it'll auto grind certain sections. Because what's so interesting about it, and this is, we won't go too far into it because we got to actually do lore today as much as I'd love sure. to just pad this out again for another sure. week. But um, like a lot of people who actually got into programming, my partner being one of them, yeah. were obsessed with this game because of the logic systems and the mm -hmm. ways that you could optimize and create these flows and like how you can make your team work in this way that you could farm zones. And I absolutely wish there was an official review, Moose, in which you said this game yeah. really drags ass in the middle. <laughs> because I'd be, oh I'd be willing to write one. That, like, I mean, be so I'm, good. Laughing in, I'm laughing inside as you're talking about like the coder mindset, because I do not mm -hmm. have a coder mindset. And I cannot count the amount of times in that game I set up what I thought was a brilliant gambit to handle a boss and forgot something about halfway through. A really yep. good example I can give you is Demon Wall, where you're supposed to put reflect mm. on all of your people and then have them reflect black magic on each other onto the Demon Wall. Uh, I forgot to specify to only do that when reflect was on. I left the menu. They all nuked each other down in 30 seconds and game over. Oh, I did no. Not exactly the same thing, but I am the same kind of person. I was in it for the world, the characters, the feel, the mm. music. I loved those. And I was so bad at the combat the first time I played it. I think I quit that game five times because I'd get to some boss, you'd get locked into like a sequence. And then I'd be like, I did not anticipate literally anything that was about to happen, and we have died 50 times now. And like, I, it's, it's funny so that you mentioned Dragon Age because I I don't I don't like that style of battle system. If I cannot micromanage, I don't want to do it. So that's why 12 drives me and say I love the story. I don't even care about grinding. I just played Monster Hunter stories for like 15 hours, and it's a demo. And like, and I was just grinding for 15 hours. It's just ah, I, that loss of control. But anyway. All right, you guys ready to actually talk about Zadnor and what the heck Hell happened yeah. there? Let's do it. So our first so. outline point. Resistance scouts have confirmed the 4th Legion are consolidating their forces at Zadnor. Despite the presence of the Imperial fleet. I don't know how to say this guy. Bajasar? Bajasaljen? Bajasaljen? I'm going to do that. Bajasaljen? is actually a really good point about... Bajasaljen? I, Basalian is how I've always said it. That's but probably I feel like... Okay. Because it's Boja. Yeah, Boja. I mean, Basalian? Basalian? <laughs> intends to confront the enemy with Camp Verdelness as the staging yeah, ground. I think. Zen, I'm going to need you to read every single location on this map real quick. Can you pull up the map, the map right, 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 real right. quick? Sierra. Yeah. I just need to know. If uh. <laughs> While you're doing that, I'm going to comment on the fact that in every single pronunciation I've seen of this guy's name, it has always been two two different pronunciations of the J. Yeah. They have never matched. Uh, that's why it's yeah. Baisaljin. Baisaljin. 
this is where having voice lines would have helped us a lot, I think. Yeah, in this absolutely. one, even though sometimes there's some inconsistencies, but they're pretty good. They're pretty good about it in 14 compared to certain other games that I know. But like, I have seen that people either lean into it with a hard pronunciation, even with Boja or like Bajja. Mm -hmm. People were calling it for a while. like. To me, I've always yeah. done like Bozia or you know used it almost Bozia. more as a Y. So I think that's why I said Basalian, but but, but that I would be actually choose... Basalian. <laughs> I couldn't choose between Bozia and Bozia, so I just, I, Bozia, like, right, yeah. like, blur Smoosh it. them together in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I just call him Basil. Basil intends to confront the enemy. I mean, Basil is the much more PG version that we could turn this name into if we really wanted. Sure. I felt, I was really into it, and then that name was just like, oh, oh, <laughs> okay, I guess I'm not getting through that without yeah. screwing up. So anyway, yeah. that happens. It does. It's kind of funny because obviously we talked today about encompassing, I think, a lot of the Bojo lore, but, and not just Zadnor, although we're starting with Zadnor because it's yeah. the most recent, right? Mm -hmm. um, Zadnor, between like in the scope of everything, really felt like the mm, uh, most weirdly paced, maybe? Like the introduction sure. to the zone and even like the quests that we're about to get into. They're, like, there's like nothing. There's like nothing in there's many nothing. of them. <laughs> But there's so much surrounding these, like, the characters, the fates, these things. So, like, when we yeah. first get introduced to this area, I was actually surprised. I thought it was going to be more interesting of an introduction here where we'd actually, like, see some of what was happening. Right. This, you know, I did this part of the outline, and this is the longest part, this intro. Like, this has the most bullet points because it's the most of, like, okay, set it up a little bit and then set some stuff around. Who knows? Actually, gonna I'm gonna skip ahead to the next plot point because yeah. it's yeah. part of my talking about this. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let's do that. Um, the next plot point is Sid is able to erect a barrier to protect. Uh, how do I pronounce this? Verdelness? Is that what we're going for? Sure, that's what I would yeah, say. I think so. Sure. So he's got a barrier that protects Camp Verdelness from aerial assaults, and this scene was the funniest thing to me. Um, <laughs> The timing of it is just like there's no attempt or finesse in trying to get you to forget that you're playing a video game. Like, mm. Sid is just like, yeah, I've got a barrier. It works like this. Bring them in. And then three airships just kind of come over in formation. They fire one volley at it and then they fly away. And he's like, thank you to my lovely assistants. And it's just kind of <laughs> like, wait, what? I know. Now it's I'm like... seeing Sid as a magician. <laughs> Yes, exactly. You're right. Sid's like standing there like, Ed, for my first act. Ha <laughs> ha. And then it's like the show doesn't actually continue. There's nothing else after that. Um, yeah, it's weird because there were two things I noticed right off the bat with this setup. Exactly what you said, Moose, where it's like, oh, so we're probably going to be facing a bunch of aerial assaults. And that's why we got like the big ship at the end. And, and then I looked out at the actual first opening area of the zone and I was like, oh, the geography is... One uh, might say uninspiring or flat <laughs> yeah. or em yeah, empty flat. or there's nothing. And I was like, oh, maybe it's because as we go through this, there are going to be like random spawning events that drop in or, you know, these fighter pilots as you're in an encounter can come down or like bomb the area. And there's like one spot where that happens in a particular mm -hmm. engagement, but like nothing else. So... It is weird. Like this op this opening area and zone and the setup, it does feel very contrived and like not fully realized almost in what they mm -hmm. set up. I mean, it was it was kind of a 
oh, cool moment when you see that the barrier gets hit every once in a while. Yeah. Like, that's cool, but okay. <laughs> Functionally the same. I actually really liked these shadows that come over like as you're yeah. as you're going across like there's the airship shadows and then every now and then a couple mm -hmm. of random like firings on the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, like when I look upon somewhere that's like supposed to be a war zone and I see it's like really interesting. Sometimes I'm also a little confused about that, too, because I feel like barren wasteland is where most people who've been like certain kinds of wars are just kind of like, yeah, it looks yeah. right. Like, yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. Me. Like, I, I mm -hmm. know it did bother a lot of people to go out there and be like, ah, I see we're visiting the moon early with the blank expanse that's here. <laughs> oh, I had that same idea. Yeah, but, like, well, it didn't it didn't really bother me. I'm like, things out here have been exploded 500 billion times. There's nothing here. It's dead land. I, I found the, like, aether, like, crystal veins very interesting. Because mm -hmm. it was sort of a breakup to moonscape. But, uh, I don't know, it, it didn't bother me as, as much as uh, I've heard other people talk about it. I don't know why it stood out to me so much. I mean, I guess even just in a war zone, right? Like having a grim landscape. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it even worked better for me in the first one. That felt almost more immersive to me with like the trenches and things. And we know that this area was kind of like sucked dry of Aether. Like we learned this, yeah. there's various reasons, right? That it's become something, you know, kind of like a wasteland, you know? But I found myself sort of wishing that even within that, there were points of interest. You know what I mean? Like this is the thing. Like a crater where something had exploded mm -hmm. that had exposed right. a vein underneath it or a group of resistance scouts that had huddled underneath some ledge only to be killed and you like find their bodies although they don't really show dead corpses around right. in the game but like sure. if we're telling like a, a narrative of war to mm -hmm. me i'm like of course it's not going to be like i'm in a beautiful field of flowers and right. I feel the fantasy deep in my heart. It's like, no, this is a war zone. So you just want some but interest I, points, you mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Something, something that kind of gives you that immersion and feel, I guess. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. You know, unexploded ordnance, you know, that we could run across. Things like that, you know, that maybe it would have been too much. Maybe it would have turned it into what, you know, WoW has in the Maw and nobody likes that. Because it's just a little bit too annoying. So maybe they just decided on, you know, the side of caution. They're like, let's not. Maybe I don't know. They wanted to make sure there wasn't a lot of crap in the uh, the landscape that you yeah. have to try yeah. and hurry around as you're running your ass off to the fates. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was kind of. I feel like this opening. Yeah. It, there were moments that were neat, but it is kind of also yeah. like maybe a little underwhelming compared to a lot of other yeah. stuff. But so, I agree. I like the yeah. shadows and things. I didn't. Ex I I really yeah. didn't expect too much from the opening because we like we we just left one war zone. We're pushing forward. They've pulled back to a position we didn't expect to engage them. The place is a wasteland. So I really just saw it as a chase. I saw it as mm -hmm. as this idea that it's we're going to a place that hasn't been the major part of the war, and we're trying to push to where they've docked. That's pretty much it. So it's a race between can we establish a forward position fast enough that they don't leave before we get there. And if there was nothing else from A to B, I wasn't too shocked with it. And that's basically um, what we get in the next couple quests. Like, hey, you want to push up to each camp in sequence just like you did in the first one? Yeah, do that. That's what they ask you to do. And then when you, when you get done with that part, they're like, we got these thingies. Can you put these thingies around for us? They're called dams. I don't remember what that even is called or uh, stands for. 
You're not should have put that in there. Probably. I don't know. I can Some, look it up. Something sure. ethereal I, manipulator. I, my, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Damn ethereal manipulator. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you you basically this this actually reminded me a lot of Eureka having to go around and find the mm-hmm. little the little points. Except instead of going to the point and being like, aha, I see a thing that belongs here. You're placing the things that belong there. So not. I thought that was I thought that was the point. I thought they were just kind of like, hey, we we built all these systems for Eureka. It was very hit and miss. Reception was pretty lukewarm. What would you do if you had control of that? I thought that's what Bozia was. I thought that's what this whole thing was. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. The dams, again, feel kind of they, they feel like a very obvious game device you know what i mean like i at least enjoyed in the first zone as well that there were occasionally you know you'd go to a place and there might be like that little bonus area or like a cutscene that you got i was surprised again that with this one you like go and you put it in the ground then she's like cool 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 cool. yeah yeah okay come on back and i was like oh that's it there's no more that's all all right disabling disabling oh maybe disabling that because that's what they do once you have them all down, uh, they do like a EMP on the on the ship, right? Hmm. Yeah. So it's yeah, it, it has like a purpose. I see, like in chat, you know, Dan works into moving aether current to camp to sustain the barrier, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, I believe so. Right for this portion. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're like, conduits that kind of move energy. Okay, so we're like channeling that through. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that. I guess. Moose, it's interesting hearing you talk about, like, the idea of, like, pushing to a final confrontation. I, while this was happening, I couldn't help but think about um, Elder Scrolls Online. So, like, in the base game, there's this culmination of story, and I had never finished it originally, but I just finished it in the last couple months, where you end up in this whole other zone, and it's essentially, like, hostile territory, and you start out in this, like these ruins of this protected little city kind of thing. And then you have to make these excursions to these three different portions of the map where like, as you're out there, there are like these little side quests that you can complete, which then like bring allies back to this town. And like the town will start to grow and change. And you'll see like various buildings that are locked up at the start open and stuff like that. And I think for what this content is and the response from Eureka, it makes sense that they streamlined a lot that they're, you know, Mm -hmm. like I completely understand that context. But I couldn't help but think as I was going through this, how much more fun it would have probably been for me rather than just like putting the dams in different places to actually have that sense of like momentum of, yes, like having to battle forward, like you're pushing your way to this next camp. You're trying to reclaim territory. You're seeing the effects as like you're able to, you know, conquer areas and your forces can kind of start to come together. So it's yeah, I I don't know if they reached the full potential with the setting and what they could have done Mm -hmm. with the context here, but it works as a mechanic, you know? Yeah. Well, while you were saying that I I got your your missing word there, I would not have remembered this one off the top of my head. It's deflection. Okay. Just the deflection ethereal manipulator. Mm -hmm. Good job getting A&M though. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, uh, not, before you finish putting all these little deflection devices around, you get an echo. I guess you shared echo with Makoto. Which doesn't have, there's no, like, right up here, so I don't remember what Hers are very, like, conveniently shared with everyone oh, around her, there. apparently. Is it? I'm blind. 
Yeah, it's the next bullet point. During it, you okay. succeed in disabling the Dalriada, but Makoto falls from the airship, right? So we see that flash forward of the fight. Uh, you know, Sid's like, oh, we got to do this. She puts up a shield, and then she falls off and seemingly dies because it just fades to black. And she says, please don't talk about this with anyone else. Don't tell them that I'm going to die. And it's like, could you stop doing this, please? <laughs> like, how many times have you asked us not to tell people? All right. You know how this ends, Makoto. Um, yeah, so she has this flash, which mm -hmm. I guess does lean into one thing that I think is really strong about this. I do think some of the characterizations and the like side characters of these quests are really good. And Mikoto is an interesting one because I, you know, going right. back to the original, I never thought that she would be somebody that would come back or play any sort mm -hmm. of role whatsoever ever again. <laughs> And there was always a lot of mystery about her twin and uh, the possibility that maybe she was her twin and was posing. Like, there's all these things about her lore that's kind of intriguing. Oh, and um, her echo. Oh, my and gosh. her echo, which kind of, again, I guess confirmed in a way that echoes can manifest in different iterations to some degree. And, you know, but how far expansive that, that is. Though, yeah. Yeah. Did but it. Just... Did it. Or like, this is this is one of the places where I'm. This is one of the places where I actually chalk it up as a broken vase. Sure. Um, oh, I love a lot of what came out of this story in the in the again the big picture mode. But when I think about like the little specifics of how he brought in stuff from around the game, I do wonder if anybody like looked into that and was like, "Yeah, that's how that works." Mm -hmm. Um. Because we, like, we've been told so far that the Echo is, like, a resonance between souls. Um, what's the other soul? Like, what's yeah. the thing she's resonating with? But we know that, like, okay, so Kryle is very sensitive to ethereal traces. So she's able to kind of follow stuff and see stuff. And, like, that, we, we saw the way that it manifested when it's kind of, like, recklessly copy-pasted onto Fordola. Um, so it's not always between souls. There's some kind of ethereal stuff going on with it. Um, Could you how make... she can use that to see through time yeah. is a little weird. But well, if 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 we assume that there's like a determinism to the world, mm -hmm. then maybe she's just following etheric determinism in a way. Right. You know. Because it took a lot to break determinism for Graha. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one excuse I have. The other thing is, though, is that as weird as this is, there's also they kind of tied the echo possibly to Messiah Thousand Eyes and her seeing all of the right. eras in advance, which I don't know how that's supposed to work either. <laughs> so, you know, if I Messiah's 1.0 lore, if I don't know how that works, that's Mott's not going to have this. I don't care. <laughs> It does feel weird. I mean, I think you could maybe make the argument that she is almost resonating with her own soul at different points, sure. like her soul at this point in time, <laughs> or like in this particular branch of- That's what I need, more time shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, and time shenanigans are always a headache and no oh, one yeah. loves them, you know what I mean? But like, it could be that like, she's almost resonating with, yeah, these different versions of her soul or different like timelines of her soul. And so when she says like, this always happens, which to me was the big thing where I was I like, oh, why are you same. like this? I hate this so much. Like, which is like, this always happens no matter what. In my head, I was like, well, maybe this particular Mizaya 
or Mikoto has um, resonated with like this particular branch of time. Mm -hmm. And now because of that, like she will like, we will be in that timeline. You know what I mean? Like, and it's again, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Mm -hmm. It's nonsense a lot of times, but that's kind of how I interpreted it. And then when you get something like this, I know tinfoil hats, and then you get something like you were saying about Messiah and like all the other things there where it's like, was she, was she just resonating with other people's souls in different time periods, or like was she like? I'm I'm at a loss for all that. They have to clean up a a lot there before the end. I, I say have to, but like I'm not their boss. They should <laughs> clean up a lot in in terms of that because Alexander introduced kind of like hard determinism, like. Mm -hmm. You know, Alexander was at multiple places in the timeline, showing that. However it is after Alexander changed time, the illusion for us inside of time is that it's always been that way. Mm -hmm. So the way that it was is gone. And that made a lot of sense to me. That was like one of the few time travel stories that I thought was ever really well told. I thought Alexander nailed it. And then Shadowbringers came along with this completely yeah. different idea where there is no determinism because you can use the rift, which is all time, space, and possibilities condensed into pure chaos to manifest a moment. different reality. Yeah. So now we have this branching Y timeline where instead of only one of all the possibilities being manifest, we've got two. Mm -hmm. um, and yet we still kind of have hard determinism in the 1.5 branch. I, I don't know. So here's my, here's <laughs> oh. my tinfoil hat. It's, uh -huh. it's very truncated. Don't even, don't even worry about it. Um, the, the portion of the story, the beginning of the story where they go back into Sid's memories. Um, mm -hmm. They pull out memories from there, and they, it's basically an echo that they can run through. So what if um, people's memories are always with them, knock and stop over, um, from, from the beginning of your life to the end of your life, and your memory is not so much like something that you recall, so much as like your particular timeline. So she has the ability to go back in timeline. She has... Timeline slash memory. She has the ability to go forward in timeline slash memory, so she knows. I could see I'm it. Willing, I can see it. <laughs> I'm willing to embrace anything that explains yeah. it. Yeah, like, I mean, there are there are oddities going all the way back. Like yeah. in one in 1.0, your very first echo ever, you pulled an item out of it. That shouldn't yeah. be possible. That's never been explained. Like, I'm not going to, like, harp on Matsunasan doing this when they probably don't know themselves all of the details. True. It's like when people are doing this with Heidelin right now. It's like, well, mm -hmm. why didn't she tell you more of what was going on? I'm like, she can't tell you what Square Annex hasn't written. Yeah. You know? Like, so I don't want to, like, throw all this on Matsunasan, but it is a very interesting way to use the Echo. Mm -hmm. I think it's the first one role players would jump at using, so it's the oh, first yeah. that, you know, like, if Matsunasan was brought in and told what it was, I feel like he'd be like, yeah, that's the cool... Like, he always knows what the role players want to play with first. So I imagine that's what happened. But, like, anything that makes it work, I'm good with it. I love that you brought that up because I was literally about to talk about role players. Mm -hmm. Because I think Matsuno's imagination does work in that way. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, I want to be super clear because sometimes when people talk about this, especially if they're not role players themselves, and, like, I am, and I know a lot of us love lore, and I know Zen mm -hmm. is, and I know, like, you know... People will be like, oh, role players, they're coming up with stuff out of their butt. And it's like, no, a lot of times people will do a lot of research into facets, right? 
And then it's all about letting your own imagination build off of that in a way that works with you. And sure, there are sometimes where people may blatantly ignore certain established things. If they're playing with people that are doing it, that's fine. And then there are other times, I think, where they take concepts that are in the game and then realize them more fully. And a big one that is in Final Fantasy XIV and that many players have is some kind of unique echo for their mm -hmm. character. And I kind of love it because whether or not you're in a group that allows that or, you know, whether or not we're looking at the larger scale of lore within the game, it allows people, again, more of a unique connection and manifestation to the character that they love and how they want to realize them or have them exist in this world, right? And I think that Matsuno is very similar in that, like, his creativity takes these things and then he's, like, spinning off of them. So although we've had these little glimpses of the possible variety of manifestation of Echo, and there's even some discussion, you know, that has been the RP community and elsewhere of like, well, maybe back in the past, like with the ancients, they had different skills that have now trickled down in the division of souls in a way and all this other stuff, right? Like, and I think it's fun. I think it's hard to realize in the actual story when, again, you're trying to tell like mm -hmm. a directed narrative for people in a shared way so that it's not like everybody gets to pick their echo and yeah. now you can watch it in cutscenes, like, which would be cool, but yeah. like, it's not what we have in 14. Right. And yet at the same time, I can't help but think that this was a little bit of Matsuno wanting to be like, why don't we push this idea for like, sure. I like, feel like we're. I feel like we're in the exact same headspace right now because I was just thinking of the same thing. Um, they talk about how like, oh, there's no, you know, two same manifestations of the echo. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the degree to which you interpret that line a certain way determines what you think is reasonable and unreasonable in the story. Because I mean, all right, just because it's the first thing that comes to mind because it's like the tail end of a pandemic here, but like no two, no two COVID infections were the same. Everyone had a unique manifestation of COVID, but that doesn't mean that you might get COVID and be able to shoot lightning out of your fingertips. Like there's certain bound, like, you know, the echo manifests differently for everyone but it's still the same thing right. that's doing it so like no one's just like oh my unique manifestation of the echo was only that i could shape shift into a lime like yeah. there's no like i wish that was real limitations yeah. can you imagine an npc that's part of the scions and everybody's doing their lineup and they're like what does yours do oh yeah i can track ethereal currents wow super cool how about you i can see into the future how about you Oh yeah, I just turn it to a lie. <laughs> I would, I, they would be my head assassin. Yeah, exactly. They'd be so good. That's We're exactly gonna send them yeah. a fruit basket. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. I think also. But yeah, they're like. Good. Mm -hmm. no. Uh, no, I just I think I think that there are sometimes where people are just like I have this great idea for a unique manifestation of the echo, and if you're missing one or two of the little tiny details about what the echo actually is, it's just like oh, out the window, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Um, I think. Honestly, it's, that's probably the easiest uh, reasoning for Makoto's particular thing she's yeah. able to do. It's like, it's a different echo. Um, when I was talking about the like past and future memory timeline thing, I, it made me think about Xenos. Like, me, and and, and this, the starfall that he sees. Maybe it was not in the past. Maybe it's in the future. Maybe he has a similar crazy thing going on. Again, tinfoil hat. But uh, I'm I'm kind of hoping we actually do see more similar manifestations that back up mm. this whole thing elsewhere, basically. Yeah, Here's I think a... they could go either way. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Aldi. No. Oh, no, I was just one last question about the Echo, and it's just super forward thinking. 
is this one of the answers they have to give us at the end of the Heidel and Zodiac story? Or no? What do you think? Which, what like is it. the specific question uh, that we're do answering? We, how the echo works, where we got it from, why it does it. Do we need that answer in 6.0? Or is it tangential enough? Or maybe it doesn't even involve them. Maybe it's some, you know, that's that's something that I keep thinking about. That's actually a good Will question. answer it? I can't answer it myself now that I'm right. thinking about it. Because, all right, so I feel like we already know enough Mm -hmm. know more or less what it is and isn't we know that it's a resonance between souls because the boundary of your own soul is more permeable more malleable and that that enables you to have great greater etheric sensitivity and potential and mm -hmm. that seems specific enough that you could know what it is right. and isn't and yet open enough that they could play with it a bit as we go on right like they've had prophetic dreams they've had divinations so to have an echo like this isn't out of the question but to have it without any explainer mm. notes just made it feel a little weird and as i'm right. thinking about like how we go to the end of the story you're triggering the opposite feeling in me where i'm mm. i think about how i think about the void which is where a lot of people come up with these ideas of like oh could we use eden to fix the void yeah. and the first thing that comes to mind for me is why would Square Enix ever write out all that plot fuel out of their own story? Mm -hmm. They use void scent for everything. They, they're not going to fix right. the void, probably, because then they'd like lose 50% of their plot fuel. Um, mm -hmm. So do we explain the echo? Yeah. I think I they could do either. I, here's another, I think they could do either, right? right. Like, this is one of those things that I see in chat where, like, Unknown is saying, didn't Elidibus explain that the Echo is, like, this little manifestation of the limitless power of the ancients? Right, Which, the creation magic. Again, yes, but, again, we don't know exactly what that means specifically, right? Like, is it just that, yes, as beings, their souls used to be different, more flexible, larger, they're more ether, all these different things where because, mm -hmm. like, the world was so suffused with ether that it was, like people were living in a way that maybe was even closer to primals, right? Like where you were just, there was so sure, yeah. much stuff everywhere and it was so plentiful um, that like now people are with their own abilities, right? Kind of a diminished version of that and their ability to, you know, manipulate Aether and things like that, right? So it's a really vague statement. And I think like what Moose is saying is probably the closest based off of all of the information that we have in the game that yeah. makes sense, right? Now, does that need any further explanation? Like, could I see them just being like, oh, yeah, this stuff wakes up as a star shower and Highland did it. And then <laughs> they never touch on it again. And you're just like, well, this is an ambiguous thing in a JRPG that I've just experienced. That's or fun. could it be something where we do get that answer? And is it a huge question that I think is still in the game? Yes. Like, I feel as though they could answer it and they could answer it with whatever encounters with Heidelin or Zodiac we have, mm -hmm. right? Really nailing it down. But how yeah. they do that could be a midichlorian situation no. as well. Yeah, and I just, no. yeah. I'm, <laughs> thinking one of those back, which... I'm thinking back to a quest in 2.0 um, where they accidentally left like a little bit of the liner notes for the scripting in it. Um, I've seen this posted a couple places. Um, you know how, like, there's quest scripting where, like, the NPC dialogue comes up? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I guess if in the in the actual data, it refers to the use of the echo on the sylph when you get back to the waking sands after the massacre there. And the liner note just says, use your contrived psychic power on the dying sylph to figure out what the hell just happened. So like <laughs> knowing that they called the echo contrived psychic power, I'm like, OK, so they, mm-hmm. they didn't have quite the exit strategy for it that I would have you know anticipated based on the, right. the, the way it was described. So I'm like. I'm down with whatever they do or don't yeah. want to tell us about it in Endwalker, especially now that we know that whatever they write about it as the power of the ancients was probably made up like two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so like, I'll take what I, I'll take what I can get. I just mm-hmm. remember when they first uh, started up uh, the Boja stuff this time around and uh, they used like a crystal to manipulate the echo and this, that, and I'm just going gross. <laughs> I don't I don't know like for for so long the echo has been not simple but not necessarily a complicated thing to explain right. and then they're like also you can use it this way and I'm like too much get away go get out of here but <laughs> like, that's just that's my opinion I love it though because like I'm the opposite. I like more variety. Like I personally think it's interesting to see how it can be used because when you think about people, right? Anytime that there's a skill, anytime that there's like a basic function, the way that people will use it can mm-hmm. be different. The way the same sure. people will use the same tool, like how you hold a pencil, is really interesting to me. Um, and I was over there so excited when I was like, oh, confirmation for different manifestations, maybe. Well, we've and had then, that. We've definitely I mean, had the confirmation yes. for manifest- for years and years and years. This this extra tool outside to, to mess with the Echo, though, is what got me. I was like, mm. I know this felt though to me like it was initially it felt like it was a way that was interesting to me to tie a lot of this stuff together and even the mention of like oh gosh the heaven on high tower and that that fragmented group that left Alig who supposedly were the original what were they they're not say they're not sages they um the group that like taught yeah. this and that did this like manipulation of memory, who also created oh, yeah. the tower that's heaven on high. Like, I thought all of that was really fascinating. And then Zen, you gave me much like the Nautilus theory, even more fodder by being like, and you know how Xenos is also experiencing his own memories. And I'm over here like, oh my gosh, you're so right. It is outside <laughs> of this content. Um, but I mean, of course, until they officially reinforce this or delineate it right like we can't say this is absolutely or not and is it more likely Mm -hmm. that yes this will be kind of a contained thing that just is a weird blip yes i think probably yeah Yeah. Uh, so you know i didn't even think about any of that like at all like i saw the crystal focus and i was just like yes after years of guns and flying cars and spaceships like we are back to just stone and light that's right. my fantasy. That's magic, my preferred yeah. fantasy magic. Like yeah. stone and light. Yes. Fair, fair, fair. So I was too uh, excited about that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> moving on with the actual story. Um, your companions this time aren't totally blind to the fact that some echo stuff just happened. And they're like, hey, what happened? Uh, mm-hmm. And you basically get interrupted. And uh, uh, Jazzlebean shows up. Jazzlebean. <laughs> was it? Basilien? 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 Uh, it shows up well, yeah. and he... No, no, it's Jazzlebean. Jazzlebean. It's Jazzlebean. I think that's, that's a fusion word, Jazzlebean. Fusion, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, think so. He shows up and is like, hey, when we finally get Misija, 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 I don't know, um, 
Or, do you want to kill her? Or, like, what do you want to do about all this bad I stuff? I want to kiss her. I want to kiss her <laughs> on her mouth. But your, but your choices are basically murder this murderer or, like, maybe, like, a trial or something. And that, that becomes uh, a semi-important choice for later on in the story. When you, mm-hmm. when you actually have to do it. Um, at that point, we finish placing all the dams. And, uh... Aw, this is actually a cutscene that I missed. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you you walk in on uh, Lilja telling Mikota that she should tell Sid that she has some fuzzy heart feelings for him. So like I've seen all these these people talking about uh, Sid and Mikoto, and I'm like, is that did that happen? I guess I skipped this cutscene. <laughs> yeah, I maybe this is the thing we should talk about. I I mean it's not I don't know it's not like massive repercussions for lore, but sure. In a sense, is it also, it's interesting, especially in the context of some of the, oh, was it a FanFest question? There, or an interview question in the follow-up from FanFest. There was an interview talking about, would you ever put about. in romance lines for like player characters with mm-hmm. the NPCs? And there was an answer, I believe from Yoshida-san, but if it was somebody else on the team, so. just tell me. But like, um, basically saying, we're very conscious and very careful about how we orchestrate like the lives of these characters. And so like mm-hmm. we don't want to shut out players from being able to connect in a way like that, but we also don't want to make like these characters beholden to some players' perception of like them being their one and only and like have that mm-hmm. be something that would compromise their own integrity as like unique individuals in this and like also in regards to other NPCs. And it's funny to me because with this one with Sid, again, it kind of felt a little bit, and I do not have a problem with this, as the ship sirens go by here in the distance. Sorry, everybody. Apparently some people do have problems with this. (laughs) But like, I don't mind that they did this ship, and I feel like Matsuno probably was just like, I've always had a crush on Sid, and I'm going to make this cute mm-hmm. girl do do this romance. I mean, maybe, I don't know. But, like, love is kind of a theme. Of Sid? Exactly. The, but the reactions I... to this were wild, yeah. like you're saying. <laughs> like, one thing that I noticed was was a little lacking in it was that... People can have a crush on whoever they want. It doesn't mean anything about Sid if Makoto has a crush on him. Anything exactly. at all. Like, it's Matsuno-san's character. Matsuno-san's character has a crush. Okay. But, like, the number of reactions that were... Like, I mean, they were all over the place. There was, like, a pool that was, like, you can't make any sort of connections between characters like that in a side story. Like, Sid's not his character. You can't do that. Um, there were ones that, like, doesn't she know Sid's gay? Like... Like, I mean, yes, so, him and Nero, come on, yeah. it's obvious. Him and, him and Nero have a love-hate ship, we all know it. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, there was just, like, there was so a, a diverse reaction to this one, and they were all very passionate. Yes. Yeah, no matter what. What's funny is that I honestly shipped Lilia and Mikoto way more. I was like, this would have sure. been far more compelling to me. These two have such an incredible rapport that like part where even like she's concerned about her and she takes off her glasses and is like, tell me what really mm-hmm. happened. I was like, this should, they should love each right. other, but Square Enix won't give me this. I'm <laughs> like, please. <laughs> we is, got so close with Guy and Reen. So close. In, um, in the actual like mm-hmm. Garland Ironworks. The one who basically runs it. Yeah, Jesse. Yes. Oh, Jesse. Yeah, I always Jesse, thought right. Jesse and Sid. 
Because she basically, like, runs his life. I mean, it's not unusual, though. We did see the same kind of reaction with Ishtola and... Oh, what's cute, blue boy? Runar. Blue Runar, he's so yeah, Runar. cute. They're so cute. And everybody wanted to kill him. And I was like, he's a good yeah. boy. Leave him alone. He's a nice man. <laughs> it's not his fault. He just, he likes the cute cat girls. So do you. <sighs> Chill out. Here's a, but yeah, people were very a passionate. question that doesn't matter. Okay. Is Sid Eorzea's most eligible bachelor? Yes? Uh, or is, maybe? It, is it like Amrick? Is it? Oh yeah. Is Amrick even? It's Amrick. Yeah. It's gotta yeah. be Amrick. I mean, well, we don't know though. Amrick, you know. Or maybe I mean, maybe Astinian. Some Astinian. Mm, no, Astinian's a stinky, grumpy man. He's. You I should... look. I love him. <laughs> he cannot be the most eligible. Not, what does he have to wrong. offer? You're Nothing. Not. He just wanders vote, around. <laughs> put it to a vote. I think we need. I think we need the community on this one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do a poll in chat. I. I mean, maybe Sid. I don't know. I do feel like. Like it's I said, Emmerich, it doesn't though. even matter. I'm sorry to bring it up, but yeah, you he's know. married to his work. I yeah. miss not beard face yeah. Sid. I know a lot of people like his beard face, but I miss un unbeard face Sid. Go away, beard. <laughs> I mean, Hien's good too. I think Hien could be a yeah, real candidate you know, here. People sleep, about... just don't even pay attention to Hien, but he's little also son, very good. Oh. <laughs> little <laughs> son is not the most eligible. He's the most scorned bachelor in all of yeah. Aorcia. <laughs> <sighs> And besides, he's already in love with his right-hand man, and yeah, nobody can convince me otherwise. Yeah. Um, he's a this is a really place. important okay. question, though, and I do actually think we could do an entire cast on this. So, Aldino, thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Next week, episode 200 of Aetherite Radio. Most eligible bachelors of Aeors, yeah. <laughs> we could do bachelorettes, too. Uh, what has science wrought? All right. Uh, is that all we want to talk about? Our shipping yeah. for now? Okay. Yes, yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. So Mikoto apparently reminisces about Moonbrina. Yeah. That's cute. I'm really sad I missed this cutscene now. <laughs> I love me some Moonbrina Uriange. Mm -hmm. Also good. So she, she pushed her to find someone that she cherished more than her books. However, Makoto says that she only had feelings of respect and admiration for Sid. Just like she had for Moonbrina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moonbreed was taken from us far beyond her time. So I was very pleased to see this because once again, I feel like I just want to like go hug Matsuno. Because I feel like Matsuno is like big fan as well of the game. And Matsuno was also yeah, he like plays. Why he was like, why'd you do Moonbrita like this? So he's like, I'm just gonna put a line in here about Moonbrita and we're gonna remember that she exists and is important and is valid. And then that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> that poor girl. Yeah, no. But this was nice. I mean, like, oh, it's always been interesting with her because she is the kind of, like, background character that, in theory, right, like, how effectively, I think, in the overall narrative, they've really communicated Moonbrita's impact on the other characters. I, I, I don't know. Like, I think there are some moments that we get, particularly with Uriange, where sometimes when it's convenient, they seem to try to remind us that Moonbrita once lived and died and was really good friends with everybody. But again, it's tough because it's like there's not a ton of other things or moments we shared or lived with her beyond that one struggle that culminated like in her demise mm -hmm. that really gives us that connection. So I was glad to see more of this, especially as maybe we look ahead to Endwalker and it's possible that she gets brought up again in Sherlion. But sure. I hope they bring I... her up again. 
I struggled to rationalize everything that happened with Moonbrita to myself as someone who tries mm. to like make sense of the story and find a satisfying way to interpret it. Because when she first showed up, it was like, wow, this is really cool. We got, right, so there's a Rugadine on the Scions now. Yeah. It's a woman. We've got this badass that compliments certain people and shakes up the mix. And oh, she's gone. Mm-hmm. And then I had to try to like explain it to myself as like, okay, this is character development for the Scions. Because at the time they hadn't had a lot of it. You know, they were, we, we interacted with them, but we didn't really know a lot about who they were. So I was like, maybe it's like this because this ain't about us. We're mm-hmm. seeing the Scions grow and through their, through their connections and their suffering. And that we're just there for them during this time. And these are their stories. This ain't about us. But ever since then, they keep bringing her up like, oh, we shouldn't have killed her. Right. Because the timing wasn't great on it if they wanted us us to care about her that she was dead. The timing was very poor. We didn't have enough time to connect to her at all. Um, For her to like, we got like, I didn't really think about her potential as a scion until after she was dead because i was so focused on you know let's learn a little bit about her let's see what she brings to the table oh she's gone from it like so i i personally was always not super invested in her because she was such a like a quick just she's here she's gone uh and i was shocked to see so many other people in the community just like latch on to moon brita i get why she's an interesting character but i felt like i didn't Mm -hmm. have time like you said to get to know her to really care a whole lot um when i when i think about her though like that that reflection of what happened because to urian j because of her sudden appearance Mm. and loss i i really like that little portion so over time she's become more of a cool thing to me but i so quick why why you do contrived thing se to poor broken lady it's it's just sad you know a lot of people who really interact with the lore love these type of characters, like Mumbrita are involved before he got into it, you know, that sort of thing. And then the people who kind of skim across the surface, which is fine. You don't have to d- dig deep. But you, as someone who's into the lore, just want people to like the characters that you found compelling as well. And when they don't give them enough time to catch on with, I don't want to say general public, but those people who just kind of skim across the lore it feels worse, right? Because it's like, mm. oh, if only you could have seen what she could have done. But I, we're supposed to have that feeling, you know? Maybe that's what what it was all about, which sucks. But yeah, it is. it's totally fair, right? I mean, and I, I do like the point, like, Moose, I think you're right in that it is a moment that is meant for the Scions and that has, like, big repercussions for them. Mm. And Aldino, I agree with what you're saying in the sense that, like, not even, like, for people who, like, when you say just skim, like, you were sort of, you know... yeah hinting at it's like if you are just playing those quests right Mm. like if you are just standalone doing that and not making a whole bunch of other suppositions and doing all sorts of other stuff right like yeah you don't get a lot about her but i do think that it's important too uh like you were saying moose that there were some really interesting contrasting things that she does and that there are certain characters or character archetypes in this game that i think just don't get featured the same Mm -hmm. way that others do and Rugenans are kind of a big one, to be completely yeah. honest. Like, Rugenan yeah. characters are few and far between in our they actual... Haven't even, they haven't even modeled Rugenan children. Ever. Yeah. yeah, it's super weird. And it's one of those things where a lot of people will argue this saying, like, well, that's because they're the least played race and all sorts of stuff. But you have to acknowledge that, like, 
from a perspective of this world and the stories it tells, there's probably a reason that they're the least played. Like, there's not other stuff in there, like, engaging people to find them cool or interesting or appealing or, like, all sorts of things, right? And it's only been semi... Yeah. yeah, it's like a feedback loop. Like, we've only even semi-recently started to see female Ruganans even make it on the, like, summer festival posters right. and things. And that was after a lot of feedback from the community. And I think it is important in these stories and in different areas to show different builds of people, particularly with female characters. And, I mean, look, we love Merle Veeb, but she is not a character that's, like, right there with you in the trenches doing stuff all the time, who is somebody that you're with and that you're spending these journeys mm. with and and i i would love to see more characters that are like that that break the mold a little bit and end up in this main lineup for us and at this point with like this wrap-up i think the characters we have right now are probably the big ones we'll see and then future yeah. stories will probably introduce us to more but yeah it'd be great if we got some more glimpses with her and and what she even did in trelion or something with that you know it, yeah. it'd be cool and i think it would build on that growth for the scions all right, we go from uh, cutesy town uh, over to girly and stuff going on. And we see a scene of Lion and Meninius overseeing the Allegan relic. Uh, Meninius sends Lion out to the battlefield while cursing Sicinius for leaving them there when this was all in his plan. Right. Guys, I feel like I missed a big part of the story. Help me. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I felt I felt the same way when I when they said Sicinius, and I was like, "Who the heck is that?" Okay. And then I I was like, "Oh right, I do remember." And then he shows up later. Okay, okay. Uh, we then uh, join Sid and the others again, and we found that the relic uh, from the Fourth Legion was uncovered. So Sid formulates a plan to ignite ceruleum stored in the Dalriada to disable it. They go they go do some sabotage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll need to redirect Aether to overcharge their crystal focus uh, nearby using an Aether wave amplifier. So we repurpose the dams, I guess, at that point, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, it was like, is there is there anything interesting about this? Nah, kinda. It's just, yeah, we put energy in the thing and it blow up. That's it. Cool. Uh, so then they go out on an airship with the amplifier and Makoto. Why they would do this when she knows what's going to happen. Who knows? Um, mm. They let him use... Uh, Bwagi lets them use his airship, the Lasser, which I guess is Tornado in Dalmaskin. I just love that they added that note, so I had to add it here too. Tornado. I think it's funny, um, uh, the point that Moose was telling us earlier, where uh, they don't. he doesn't have naming conventions, but he does have words, apparently, for what Tornado is in Dalmaskin. Yeah. Uh, and then with the plan set, it falls on you and Lilia to place the dam at the Aether current closest to the Delgada. So you can explode things. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, the only thing of note from this, I mean, it's just plot, right? So, like, this is yeah. just stuff they have to do to do the thing in the area, right? Mm -hmm. The one thing that I do think is kind of interesting is that from the get-go, I have found the... The Garlean unit and this group that are working there to be really intriguing in and of themselves. Mm. The ways that they have like subverted the structure, the way that mm -hmm. they have decided to like re envision what it means to have their own empire, all of these kinds of things, I think, are really, really intriguing. And I would have loved to get some more. And it is unfortunate that because like we just see these kind of tantalizing little cutscenes that are the like, 
meanwhile in the in the baddies mm. camp right and it's like you get these little moments where it's like Meninius, Sicinius, Meninisness, and you're like, who even are these people anymore? Who's <laughs> which one? And that was the one that I saw that one time in that one cutscene who did the one thing, or maybe mm -hmm. they were in this chain of critical engagements, or like, it. I don't know how they yeah. could have done this, but like, if they'd done something where, I don't know, even like working with uh, Messia or like something would mm -hmm. have given us insight into the structure, the culture, the the group that's forming there. Because I really like the premise that they seem to be based on almost, right? That like, you have these two groups, a group that's fighting to reclaim this land, the heritage of this land, but then the heritage of this land actually being corrupt, having social inequality, having these mm -hmm. issues that like led to the all these other problems within it. And then this group that's made up of the people who are there now, the culture. And like, sure, those leaders may or may not have selfish reasons. They may or may not be doing things that are actually good for everyone. But the way they're pitching it is like, yeah. hey, this is all of us and we're here. And why go back to the old regime? We'll make our own regime. Like, we'll make our own place. And it will be something that is based off of equality. Um, mm. I just... Those two viewpoints I would have loved to have seen be more of like an emphasis so that right. when we got these characters, like we knew who they were, we actually had some, I, I just like, I think it's such a cool thing here um, that it's kind of unfortunate that a lot of those details I just don't think could be realized within the scope of this content, you know? For me, mm -hmm. it came off as a little bit of uh a nicer echo of original Gaius and being like, I'm going to take over here and I'm going to run this this way because this is how it should right. be. And they're basically doing the same thing, except they're leaning towards, you know, equality a little bit more. And I just see this group of them sitting over there going, yeah, we were doing that. Garlemald should be like more like this thing way before Gaius and all those other people trying to take over now. Yeah. <laughs> they're the hipsters of Garlemald's. <laughs> Garlemald. Other cooler Garlemald. That's yeah. what they were trying to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. Garlemald <laughs> number two, bigger, better than ever. The city. <laughs> so uh back on this airship, uh Mikoto yeah. does indeed fall out, just like her vision prior. Yeah. Um but uh the the blacked out part that we don't see is Fran swooping in. We haven't seen Fran in a while, but here yes. she is, and she's on a cool ass air bike that you can get too. Yes. <laughs> so she swoops in and saves the day. Um, poor Lilia also gets injured down on the ground. Yeah. Um, and so I, they, they all basically hop back on the airship and were like, job well done. This could have been bad, but it wasn't. See you later. Yeah. And head off while the, the Dalriata is uh, disabled. disabled. At that point, they're like, hey, it's your turn. And you get to run Dalriata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this a little, what was the talk with uh, Lion and uh, Menenia's that little bit that was fun uh yeah you know basically Minonius some is dad like, dad vibes yeah uh i i love this part just because we get to see his face right yeah. now i wasn't paying attention to previous boja so i didn't know if i was supposed to know he was an elizin or not so i put that note there because <laughs> i'm Surprise. an elizin and I, I i had to put the note there <laughs> Yeah, we know, I believe, and Moose might have more specific details about this, right? But they have apparently been like, screw the old structure to some degree. And they've repurposed mm -hmm. 
because for a lot of people who may or may not have delved deep or, or read the lore books, right, there's actually a table within the game mm-hmm. that lists the actual yeah. ranking and, like, progression of mm-hmm. Garlean forces and soldiers. And there's this interesting kind of thing where if you are a non Garlean native, right, and you've mm-hmm. been brought into the Garlean Empire because of this uh, conquest and imperialism, right, you can work your way up but only to a certain tier and like that's the like highest you'll be able to go but hey it's better than basically just being dirt under somebody's heel you know and it's it's actually pretty cool because it does draw from real like historical systems of conquest Mm -hmm. right that this used to be something that also happened in certain nations maybe the roman empire i want to say or things like that but um with that as well this group we know has seemed to have subverted that structure where we do see people who are non-natives who have now been elevated. So again, like we're seeing them actually seem to deliver on what they claim to be saying. In theory, I mean... I have a little in-world to say about it, but like I'd want to talk about out-of-world first. Because I feel like this is what's going to put kind of the leash on it, on our speculation a little bit. So first off, I think this idea of breaking that hard rule, like non-Garleans have a glass ceiling. I feel like that's just Matsuno-san's role player brain coming out again. Like, how can I have the most fun with this? Like, yeah. I'm just going to break rules and do whatever I want. And then part of it is um, this idea that, like, because we're in isolated content, we can't just, ha- like, the last thing any like players real people from the real like earth want to see ever again is you know surmet floors of mm-hmm. the garleans or hexagonal platforms of the alagons we're done we have seen too many castrums too much coil we're done so if we're gonna take on the fourth legion there has to be some diversity there if we're doing three you know i don't remember like the total number of what things were battlefields versus trials but sure. whatever but like if we're gonna be doing all this content like eureka level content with just the fourth legion as our enemy they can't be standard issue garlemald they have mm-hmm. to be something more fun which is why I think they put such an emphasis on, you know, their mage cadres and their their beast um, beast masters and stuff like that. Because that will, then when we go out into the field, we actually have cool shit in the field and not just another wave of Magitech and Sermet floors. Mm. So I feel like that's what drove a lot of the lore was a combination of Matsunosan having fun and the need for just something interesting in the field. I but like that gonna, point. That's great. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I agree. And I definitely think it could be a facet. And yet, I do think it's also, whatever compelled it, Mm -hmm. I think that it still does make a lot of sense, right? You have this group that has been isolated for many reasons away from the rest of what we would consider to be the Garlean war machine. And even more so as like liberation movements have cut them off from areas like Doma and like these other land masses that sort of connect in between, right? So you have these people who've been serving underneath this structure, but now suddenly have this opportunity to take control of it for themselves in a way that they want to, right? That's a reflection of how they themselves could get power in this region, what the people in this region might be wanting, all these things, right? So like, 
Matsuno san having fun, I definitely think is a thing we mm -hmm. see everywhere, and I love it. And do it. Have fun with this. Yeah. You know, bring some new ideas to it because you have to like be passionate about what you are doing and excited about the possibilities. But I do actually also think that this, whatever contributed to it, actually did give us an interesting multifaceted look at, again, what it means to be a conquered nation. Because mm -hmm. this isn't something that, like, we have, again, haven't seen in history, where, like, certain geographical areas that have had influence from other groups that have moved in and, and conquered or have, like, melded different cultures have had their own offshoots of culture that have happened outside of that. And, I mean, it maybe makes it more confusing for people who are looking for really specific, like, hard rules within the world. But mm -hmm. I think when it comes down to it, that a lot of times rules are what a people and culture agree on. And the way that those are established and used and integrated in society depends very much, not only geographically, but also with the actual groups and cultures that are a part of it. So I think it's actually really neat to have this, whether or not Matsudo was just like, sure. YOLO! Like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is where, this is where my, like vase cleanup brain comes in like where we talk about the in-world stuff because i think there's plenty of excuses to be made um i think just the loyalty to solace that if he said this it went you know so the first thing that comes up to mind for me is solace had to know that this would go wrong someday that there would be either you know like either it would foment dissent at home because he had given privilege to someone who was someone who kind of undermined the narrative of who you give privilege to and why, and that you would start to see other, other discussions around that, or that this group of people would eventually be like realizing what Garlemald really feels and is really up to and just be peace, taking the yeah. Legion going. So like, I feel like now that we know Solace was just Emmett Selk, that this was one of the many plans he had on the table for, mm -hmm. you know, if he needs to send some stuff sideways someday. LeBron's a great option. Mm -hmm. yeah. It could yeah. also be um, he kind of cherry-picked and was like, you, you'll probably be a dissenter. Right. You, you're probably a dissenter. Yeah. He, he made the group and was like, yeah. for now, you are over there not dissenting in this country that I need to run a certain way. And then like <laughs> and you that's... said later on, if he needs them, they're all there together. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's so important to like that they highlighted how loyal um, Gibran's father, Noah's father, the original yeah. Gibran was to Solus, how tight those two were. And that they, he did have a dream of kind of liberating that area and founding a new nation, but he was not entirely uh, anti Garlemald all the way right. either. So, like, you had that idea that as long as that relationship was good, you had a loyal legion. But he's gone. He has no love for Varus. So this is the perfect yeah. time for that to go sideways. Yeah, to me, it's a MXL contingency plan. If Gullermalt falls, he has another kingdom right now with yeah. the same technology that he could just, okay, fail right over to that. How easy it is to clean up vases. One guy <laughs> wants a non-Garlian Legatus, and we've got all this. Right. Oh, my God. Emmett's a genius, holy crap. <laughs> right, of course. Oh, we don't so even know that's what he really was. To just make sure that nothing's left broken on the floor. That's all he needs. On an utterly unrelated note, mm -hmm. yes. I just greatly appreciated um, somebody falling out of the sky and into Fran's arms. Yes. And I just want to be <laughs> like very clear about that in this particular piece of content. Feel very good about it. Um, which it could have been yeah. the player character, but I do feel very good about this. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> but 
we'll talk about it at the end. But like, Fran showing up, and then that tweet just make me very, very sad. Oh, don't know why yeah. you yeah. that again. Oh, dude, Sorry. I'm I I was a, I was already about to say that. Yeah. Like, because I see a comment in chat, and I'm like, yeah, we're gonna get into this at the end. Yeah. Because like again, we're tying. We're not just going through Zadnoy. We're tying back to all the things mm. that connect to it, kind of tenderly. We gotta um, get to the plot. Through the plot. And we're almost done. <laughs> And yeah. as as we talk about what's coming up at the end, yeah, Fran's Fran's return and what she was saying and the way that connects to some of the notes, I like I can foresee the entire plot of the third act and there's no third act. Yeah. Nope. What do I do with that? <sighs> I I don't know. It's it is I really 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 feel like they must have canceled a third portion. Like mm -hmm. Because this just feels like such a specific reintroducing that character and thread that we had. You know, like, mm -hmm. we know she's working with that resistance, the unnamed leader that many of us speculated must be, like, Ash or something. You know, like, we know that there seems to be this group that is trying to work behind the scenes to do this. So to introduce her here, yes, it could just be kind of like a nod to mm -hmm. her being in the game and a little bit of a nostalgia thing. But, like... It really did feel like the setup for a third act, and I don't know. It was I'm gonna. I'm like when we when we get to the end. I don't think I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna be able to stop myself from outlining where I thought it was going. Exactly. So like, I'll I'm outline that. And here's what we do. If anybody likes that idea, we just bully Naoki Yoshida. Yeah, he's you know he's he's a people pleaser. He he gives the people what they want. We will figure out kind of what would be a good or bad idea for for how to go forward with this. And we just all bully him through the in-game oh. suggestions box. <laughs> yeah. Bully him with love. Yes, with love. L yes, yeah. Well, no, like... Serenade him. I don't think we've ever had to, like, say anything to Yoshida-san other than, hey, this would be really cool. We all kind of want this. Yeah. And he's like, hmm, do I have the budget for that? <laughs> like, right. that's kind of how it's always been. So I feel like if enough people were like, yeah, I'd really like closure to this storyline... And, yeah. you know, hopefully specify closure so Matsuno-san doesn't come back, wrap up all these plot threads, so 50 more <laughs> that we never get the answer to, and leave again. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I, th I, think, I think if everybody was like, hey, we just really want closure for this, we could find something to do. But let's mm. keep going. Let's keep going. Yes, yeah. A uh, couple of things I skipped over. Um, they start a self-destruct sequence in Dalriata. Uh, I don't mm. remember if we knew that or not when we go in, presumably. Um, and Lion calls uh, him a coward, Min Mininius, but uh, that he might as well die here with the hope of claiming Bozia. So, yeah. so heartwarming. Anyway, uh, oh, once you yeah. go, huh? The sword comes and breaks Misija out oh, there. Right, yeah, yes. out of jail. That's, the sword can just do sword. what it wants. They it like had it locked up. There. Yeah, and it's like, nah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really extra. And so I don't want to be here anymore and goes to its its chosen uh, avatar to uh, to get the heck out. Uh, she disappears right out of prison. Nobody probably even notices. And we see her later. <laughs> Just way, way later. Yeah. Uh, entering the Dalriata. Let's, let's try and do this part fast. <laughs> okay. No problem. Uh, we get a bunch of bosses that we had outside. Uh, with a bunch of annoying names to uh, pronounce. Sar Sartenvois. Sartenvois. Maybe he's he's Ellison. Who knows? Mm -hmm. That's possible here. We just saw when he took his hat off. Um, somebody says, Bosh, I pray you're watching? Question mark? Yeah, uh, he says it okay. before he dies. 
Oh, it was just wanna... a cool note. Okay. And we can talk about that later when we get to the field note. Unless yeah, we want to bring that up now. No, okay. Uh, second boss uh, is Gilbrisbert, which is yeah. I such a funny name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he uses RSI to become Kukulane, basically. Again. But like uh, an even more hilarious version of Kukulane. <laughs> that's the one where you have to turn into a slime and he like bounces around the room on you and you just get yeah. flat. It's pretty good. Uh, then we have to do security corridors, which are lasers and you have to like watch these screens and not tell like there's a, a, a group that has to stand on a button and tell the two corridors whether they're supposed to stand on the right side or the left side. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. The third boss is Meninius in a power suit named Saunion, also mm-hmm. known as Saloferum, a handy-handed, heavy-handed javel- throne javelin used in Roman times. Okay. I I really like, this is what I go crazy about. Maybe you should <laughs> Those be little... this <laughs> No, it's fine. There's just a lot of Roman tie-ins. Like, this is just a type of weapon that he's in. That's mm-hmm. it. So you're fighting I um, basically. Didn't even notice. Oh. I name. Nope. Oh. Didn't even Anytime. notice the name. That's a really that's a really good catch. Um, I struggled with one of the mechanics at first with him because I didn't I didn't notice that it like traces his yeah. spinner Rooney path on the floor, mm-hmm. and I just completely forgot to analyze anything about him because I was trying to dodge this Gundam spinner Rooney. Yeah, freaking I freaking hate that part. If but... it's a mech and it has a name, I'm gonna look up the name. Oh. Period. <laughs> I love it's it. A good, I love it's it. a good rule, man. Yeah. All right, so we have a uh, power monkey armor guy, and then yeah. lion tags in with uh, Dawan the younger guy has yeah. multiple giant riffins. Yeah, uh, isn't it even? Yeah, okay. Uh, that's pretty cool, and I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. Once we take them down, we finally get to the armament itself, I believe, and it breaks out yeah. because. Of course. It wouldn't before, be fair if you could just beat oh, it up no. while it was there, right? Before we get guessed. to the before yeah. we get to the armor, I'm gonna uh highlight just kind of what I really enjoyed about the Dalriata push. Sure. Which was that all of these bosses felt thematic to the grand like the grand vision story. Sure. Uh you have to read the field notes for it all to kind of click. Um, but Sartenvoir was part of like the Landis Mage cadres from mm-hmm. back in the day. So like bringing all the Landis people together is part of what made me like, oh, I there's know. more to this. Because all right, those everybody in this group, those are the Landis crew. Those are the people from Gabranth's homeland. That's Sartenvoir. That's Lion. That's Gabranth. That's you know. Yeah. So they went out of their way to bring all of these people together and to see them in the final push was amazing. And especially just um, also thinking for an excuse to bring in, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Gilbriber? I'm never had to read these out loud before. Gilbrisbear. They sound sound normal in my head. Gilbrisbear. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Depends on how French you want to be with it. Yeah. Bill the bird. Having him be like a cultist that was obsessed with like the 
evolution lore and finding an excuse to shove in a couple more of those 12 espers like yeah this is mm. part of why i want a final act because we are just it's all coming back to landis and the espers and we got four espers we need to do and landis never came back and i just i'll get to it in a minute <laughs> no i mean you're right and even in previous portions probably some of my favorite content and culmination of content have been these instances. Like, yeah. I think they just did a great job with all of the like bonus and unique content that we got with these instanced pieces of content. The fights are varied. Like you said, they're thematically appropriate. There's some really interesting lore behind all the bosses. They feel varied and creative. Like, I really think that like out of the entire collaboration in like Boja specifically, mm -hmm. um, encompassing both parts, that yeah. was really like the shining triumph because there's so much in those fights and there's so much with those characters. I mean, even now as I pull up Sartevoir's like yeah. his entire thing. And I'm like looking at the Mage Knights. I'm looking at all these like, you know, references to, you know, the Republic of Landis and all these different tidbits of lore that are crammed in one single field note entry. Right. And yet I think they're really well backed up in an experiential way through the journey that you've taken throughout all of this content. Like with this perspective, you can go back and you can do the critical engagements that feature him. You can look mm -hmm. at his dialogue. You can yes. come into this fight. And like that narrative trail is such a creative and like wonderful way to tell this story. That's... And I love it. That's make or break for me because that is the difference, in my opinion, in the way of show don't tell that we see as like kind of a stark contrast between 12 and 13, where 13 has a great data log. There is a lot of great world building in that data log. I really like the world of 13, but the experience of it was a little frustrating to be in hallways for all of the open content and to have to read everything in the data log afterwards is what it felt like to me at the time. Whereas 12 and this had a really good balance of you could see it and experience it and then make sense of it through the data log. And right. being able to go back and do the content again once I was able to make sense of it and see these patterns like Sartevoir's journey and kind of what they've mm -hmm. been through in the background, that was good stuff. Okay, uh, so getting back to the the armament the last itself. boss. Yes, mm -hmm. um, I actually really liked the arena for this one because for me it called back to uh, the last couple in uh, Praetorium, and and right, yeah. but it also had the more Dalmascan uh, Garlean legions touch on it. So sure. visually it called back for me, but it it felt like in the right place so that i really liked like a fusion of the cultures like yeah. it's supposed to at that point yeah yeah sort of like um how we thought we might see with alamigo but didn't right exactly <laughs> uh, no, i get that get that hit in <laughs> i had to just like do a quick low blow and then <laughs> I, I know, I'm, I'm still salty as hell Absolutely. that we didn't get to see kind of the facets of the cultures of alamigo and the blending of the cultures after the mm. yeah i'm still salty yeah, yeah, yeah. good I mean, yeah, fair hit fair hit touche yes. And this is actually, I think, of note within this content, because I think this is one area where Matsuno shines as a creator. Mm -hmm. Matsuno's, like, narrative and storytelling features a lot on, like, going back to 12 and things, right? It's, like, high fantasy throwbacks, but also in a world that's kind of, like, this unique hybrid of almost, like, more of a steampunk technology feel and, like, 
it's it's really unique. But within all of that, because they're also, I, oh my gosh, again, I'm a big nerd, but because I also really like breaking down the language, right? The way that he writes also shows like an attention to narrative detail that draws even back. We, we talked about Shakespeare last week. We'll talk about it again this week. The Every Shakespearean week. stuff or even other writers, historical writers, and the way that they make use of alliteration and the way that mm -hmm. they make use of specific. There are very specific grammatical effects that are used to increase uh, like certain i'm trying to figure out how to convey this in a very in a very specific way like uh like certain like devices that you use in grammar that particularly historically would communicate different stakes so mm. like the easiest example that i can explain because i have a theater background again is that when you have these alliterations or these repetitions of sound mm. they are meant to be read aloud if it's a piece of theater right in such a way that the momentum builds through the line each right. time you hit it it goes further and further and faster and like his attention to historical detail, in a sense, both in writing and also in how he realizes landscapes, is phenomenal, which is why we get these, you know, legions. We get these, like, right. you know, the, like, Roman influence. We get the political things. We get these cities that are a mashup of cultures and periods and all sorts of things. And I think that, in a way, his influence realized this portion of, like, this right. kind of cultural fusion and the, like higher political shenanigans within it in a historical way that manifests more visibly lore-wise and in like the landscaping and things mm. like that as well. Whereas maybe some of the team that handled some of the Alamigo concept didn't quite have as much of a perspective on, I mean, I'm sure they acknowledged I'm, it, right? Sure. But you know what I mean? Like it, I it feels yeah. as though it's his strength. And I'm really glad to hear you kind of like give Monson credit for his attention to detail in those kind of arenas. Right. Because I feel like he gets a lot of criticism for his attention to detail in the actual execution of like, say, cutscenes, where people aren't really coming from or going to anywhere. They're like teleporting in and out. They come out right. of nowhere. They're in, they're out. Like, there's a, a lot of places where he's just like, it's a video game. We're having fun. Fine. Like. Big picture stuff, guys, big picture stuff. But he really has a great attention to detail in terms of the way he builds it. And I think to hear someone give him credit for that is refreshing. <laughs> I, I have to piggyback with something that... So, Dalriada is a Gaelic kingdom from the 6th and 7th centuries. And it was run by Gabran MacDomanagert. I cannot say that name. Oh, yeah. But, what? just saying. Yeah. Historical attention. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Huh. That's so fascinating. We might be seeing even more of a rebuild of sure. his old ideas. Because, like, I don't know how many people watched this particular thing, but when he was talking about his inspiration for Return to Ivalice and how he was going to build that area of the map, um, his idea was that he wanted to create a place where Ivalice was Garlemald's King Arthur where it was a little wow. bit of history, a little bit of mythology. To some people, it was almost a religion somehow. That mm -hmm. like That's what he wanted to rebuild the War of the Lions as, was Garlemald's King Arthur. And when I look at this kind of stuff, this really pulls it all together, especially mm -hmm. when you're starting to see kind of like the blurring of mythology and sure. reality and these names and stuff like that. So I think we might like we might be seeing some of where his mind was originally at when this stuff came up. I mean, yeah. absolutely. And this is stuff that I think also puts into perspective, like you said, though some of those shortcomings. I mean, even when you look at things like the actual A Song of Ice and Fire books, right? 
George R. R. Martin, Tolkien, exactly the same. These were other fantasy creators that were particularly fascinated with mythology, um, particularly fascinated with history, language, um, society, political issues, right? Like the War of the Roses is a really big one for George R. R. Martin. Um, so with that in mind, many of the pitfalls of these creators are that sometimes the absolute details bog down what is happening. Yep. <laughs> because like the in the moment momentum can sometimes be lost for the like, you're never gonna believe it. I found this amazing thing about King Arthur and I'm gonna put it in for yeah, 50 pages. Exactly. I got really into this one man walking through the woods. So I wrote five chapters about it. It's like, <laughs> oh, sweet Lord. It's funny, but like, yeah. at the same time, I think we have to appreciate some of these details because like, I think this also gives you a different way to appreciate and engage with the lore in this world. Right. Aldino, thank you for bringing this historical research today because I had not drawn these connections on like a lot of the more historical context. And yet it's very Matsuno and I should have looked for it in the first place. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> That's it's why I wanted to start building that before yeah. we talked about Diablo Armament, because Diablo Armament feels kind of tacked onto that. Just like right after all of Absolutely. that cool buildup, it's just like, hey, what if we had this really cool Diabolos themed robot from Alag out of nowhere? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, that's really, really cool. But that's about all we can say about it, too. Like... So yeah. I wanted to kind of start a little early on yeah. building up that stuff because yeah. Diablo Arm was a really fun, really cool fight. But having anything to do with anything, not as much. Yeah. Right. It did you it know. did uh call back to Allegan sure. stuff. It it was like, hey, you know this other stuff over here we haven't talked about that much this time? There's some of it and they're they're using it still too. Mm -hmm. You know they already I, do that. I, I appreciate the Fourth Legion's commitment to tracking down and using whatever they can get in their environment. Like, I think it fits especially into Matsuno's, like, Legends theme, hmm. that they're not just digging up evilies. They're digging up Alog. They're digging up Goog. They're digging up anything they can get their hands on and just kind of being like, what kind you know, of black market antiques can I cause trouble with yeah. today? I hate to make exactly. this uh, this parallel, <laughs> but it's uh -huh. it's a parallel that, that has been... Pretty solid. I think I know where it's itself. going. Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. no. Garleans and Nazis. There's a lot uh -huh. of parallels there. And the Nazis historically looked for religious and magical artifacts yep. to see yeah. if they could find slash use them. It's the, mm -hmm. it, there, there really is three layers of it because um, of the way we look at this stuff in the modern era. Garlemald is, was originally supposed to be in the role of, I'm not saying it's based on, they're in the role of Persia. Um, mm -hmm. Because Eorzea is based on, or being in the role of, as less than based on, Greece. Which is why you see a lot of that uh, ancient Greek theme coming back in, in Shadowbringers and Endwalker is because Eorzea was originally based on ancient Greece, where you have this group of city-states that have been kind of uniting and fighting and uniting and fighting, but almost caught up in their own stuff. And then this big empire comes in from the off, and they, they all have to unite and fight against this empire together. So that was the original role Garlemald was in. It was going to be our Persia. But then... It takes on all these roles of Rome. Mm. Yeah. And then half of its behaviors are what we associate imperial stuff with today. Em empires and atrocities. The German Empire mm -hmm. is what we right go back to. And then, of course, we inevitably end up back at the Nazis every time. Yep. Even and in the yeah. uniform. 
I mean, yes. Yeah. And like, it, it is something, right? And it's partly too why when we've talked about like the influence of imperialist mindsets or or these kinds of invasionary forces and or the themes that Stormblood kind of glosses over, yeah. but then but then like Bounces you get some right stuff off. in the epilogue, but then you get some you know, like we do see certain characters that really embody this, and I think they have embraced it far more with things like the weapons mm -hmm. quests. And even here with some of this, where you're realizing like if we're gonna portray something like this that particularly historically in any setting, right? Even going back to ancient civilizations that did the same, the Roman Empire that did the same, yeah. like if you're gonna look at these different conquering nations, you can't deny the actual ramifications that they had, right? And like, so it's totally fair to make that comparison, Zen, correct. And it's mm -hmm. also very fair to say that if we're gonna be tackling and if they tackle these kinds of things, there has to be a discussion of the actual repercussions of that, right? You can't use it as a throwaway funny thing mm -hmm. because it's not, and it had really terrible devastating effects. So with that, although I don't necessarily think that, yes, again, this last fight really, I think, brought together a lot of things, I can see, I guess, the culmination idea of mm -hmm. this devil war machine, right? This, yeah. like, this context of this thing, the machine that is war, that is conquest, the, I mean, the hellish connotations, like, I can see it there. Again, I don't know if, like, I think maybe is kind of, I don't know. Like, the other bosses feel stronger to me. Like, there's a lot of other things that in this content feel stronger to me. It but does, I can see why they've kind of It's a little it. off the, the edge, but it, it makes sense for it to be there in the capacity that it is. Because we've sure. seen we've seen Void Scent and or Dragon batteries used before. And yes. that's what this guy is. He is a battery. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a battery mm -hmm. that got loose. Um, and yeah. as we've seen before with Bahamut, when battery creatures get loose, they're not happy. Um, mm -hmm. and they, they try and screw things up. This particular one, uh, the Diablo, which I, I, I don't know if, if it's referred to prior to, uh, stuff that comes later, but, uh, later than this particular, uh, thing. But when I saw Diablo, I was like, man, I really hope that's a Diablo reference. I want this to be... I want this to be a void mm -hmm. thing. And I always felt yeah. like they did Diablo's dirty uh, when he was just in the dungeon. And then when he shows up later in uh, Mach and everything, yeah. I was like, good, good, good. So I, I like to see right. that that particular uh, summon, if you will, come up again and again. But some of his lines are, uh, I return to myself at last. So makes you wonder what that yeah. means when uh, the thing is holding him. Can uh, I read the last one, Zen? Will you let sure. me break down the last one? Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, the gates must be opened. The energies of the nether must flow free once more. So, first of all, yeah. what do you mean once more? What gates? Are we doing some Tartarus stuff here? Um, yeah. Hearken to me, wayward souls of the black. Make known your misery. So he's like, hey, bros, check it out. We got a gate over here. Let's go. And mm -hmm. then. Yeah, this last one I just wanted to note to tie into what we were talking about earlier. Because it's such a good example. and It's so amazing. And I love it. Um, and actually, the actors in their readings of these, I don't know if they just had experience or what, but a lot of them actually really do hit these punctuations really specifically. And I don't know what the original Japanese text is mm -hmm. either and how it reflects this or how the translation. So that's all in the context. But earlier when I was talking about Matsuno's use of various devices, this yeah. line covers several. Here so like is. the first part has alliteration in it. Your frail, feeble flesh belies such sumptuous souls. It's like... 
Oh, it's so yeah. good. Frail, exactly why I feeble, it flesh, sumption. It belies, which then turns it into the S here. So belies such sumptuous souls. It's, it's just so great. good. Like, I just really honestly, I think that this writing is gorgeous. Like, and with that, it creates this, it lends this archaic feel, this timeless feel, this poetic feel, right? It creates this feeling of like an ancient entity or something. And gives, I think, mm. the actors as well such great material to work with. So, like, in this kind of alliteration, you would build with it, you know, your frail, feeble, flesh, like, it does. It has this momentum to the line that's so good. And then you get a second half of it, which is that any time, particularly, like, in Shakespearean performance, that you get single-syllable single, uh, words, they are meant to be very distinctive punctuation. So, like, a sentence that is just, I must have them. They are like, it's, it has a weight to it that's meant to be leaned into and oftentimes will like round out a particular statement. It'll end a statement, right? Because that let is your- Let it come down is what I thought of. Yes, let it come down. Like when you're meant murderer, to- yeah. Yes, it's so, thank you, Aldino, thank It's one of these things where it's, while maybe not lore, like something that is a lore specific thing here, right? Mm -hmm. It's, and in many other ways, I think, contributes to the larger picture of how he works and or the details he pays attention to. But mm. also, it gives emotional beats to these characters that are just really interesting to kind of dig into. Like, I must have them. I must have them all. Like, if you kind of even go through some of those lines or the, oh, what is it? Seven shadows cast seven. Oh, yeah. Even that one from the previous listen the next time you go through some of those fights because for a personal plea for myself like <laughs> there are moments where oh my gosh it just hits you with the impetus through the writing alone and the performance of those lines and mm -hmm. i think it's something that shines about this content that should be highlighted honestly yeah so uh after we semi-defeat the diablo armament yeah. um we're trying to detain lion and Meninius. And we're interrupted by Diablo being like, I ain't dead, strong with you. Uh, and he, <laughs> he continues to berserk and freak out and bust up the Dalriata, uh, which pretty much uh, seals Lion and Meninius's fate. Um, I like your note here. <laughs> Lion is targeted <laughs> by it, but Meninius jumps in the way a la Piccolo from DBC. I mean, it was the same pose almost. Yeah. Before but before backwards. we close yeah. before we close on Diablo Armament, I wanted to address one of the questions in the chat. Sure. Mm. Um, which is, is Diabolos actually in there? Which is a question I yeah. don't know. I want to say no, because there's like well, actually I don't want to. My gut says <laughs> no. Um, because there's two things in combination working together is the way they described the workings of the null stone and the way um, the note says it was designed to serve as a vessel without confirming that it is currently a vessel serving for. So like those two things in combination, I just feel like they would have highlighted better if Diabolos was still mm -hmm. out there and confirmed to be in this. But I don't like that answer very much. I like, like I said, I don't want to give that answer because one of the questions on my like long-term ongoing, will I ever get another interview list? is to describe a little bit more about how the Null Stone works. 
because I think Diabolos is a great recurring enemy and to fight him one more time at level 99 would be aces. So yes. I want the Null Stone to be something that obliterates only the vessel that the essence mm -hmm. of a void scent cannot be destroyed by any means we know of unless it is consumed by another void scent because that just gives us so much to play with. It's a little Asian-esque there, eh? The idea yeah. that one day I could look back on this as an intended all along foreshadow that Diabolos was alive because for a moment he was pulled into this machine, mm -hmm. that would be great. I yeah. want it so bad. I, at the exactly. moment, I cannot condone saying that it is confirmed one way or the other or strongly suspecting that he is in there. But it's cool. Mm -hmm. But it's cool. But it's really cool. So he really cool. flies up in the sky and is freaking out and is basically going to blow everything up. Like, this is this mm -hmm. is a situation of, oh, no, we actually can't do anything about this. And then... It's very Carton-esque. Yes. Uh, Messia and Queen Gunhilder, wielding Save the Queen, together charge the armament, destroying it, and gravely uh, injure herself in the process. I guess just Messia. Yes, yes, that is who is injured. Uh, Save the Queen endures and falls back down onto the battlefield. For approximately a month, I've been holding on to this joke. And I finally mm -hmm. get to tell it. And I'm sorry in advance. But this, <laughs> this is a Deus Ex Machina. This is what this oh, is. Sad. There's two of them, and they just show up and fix everything. That's what just happened. Sen, it's good. It's good. It's, it it's hurts, good. but it's good. Thank yeah. You. That's what I wanted. I like it. Moose is just like, I hate it. It's not good. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I wanted more from this. Like, you know, no, Pook, don't leave. Like, oh. <laughs> Pook's like, whoa, just got here. Bye. <laughs> Terrible Later. puns today. Is this what we're doing? I'm oh. out. Uh, yeah, Thanks. it's, I, look, I never, ever, never, never, ever, never, ever, never like a deuce ex maquina. I don't mm -hmm. like it. I, on one hand, again, we have this moment that's like the, Maybe I sort of redeemed myself. And in particular, mm -hmm. I guess in connotation with the fact that, like, she had to realize that her people, if she's going to be the queen, right, her people encompass both. They encompass mm -hmm. both the forces of this empire that have kind of existed there and, and been there, and also the resistance that she herself felt, you know, like, wronged by. Like, And so she realizes that I think the true spirit of magnanimity and uh, royalty mm -hmm. within her is that you have to realize that oftentimes you are trying to reconcile people who may not be the best and you're trying yeah. to lead them in a better direction right like i think she kind of gets there but the way it happens does not feel as though that's really what's supported and it does feel very much like oh you did all this oh, and then i'm here and it's done bye like, cool. Uh, it's like, I just nailed it. Uh, which I, is not fun. Yeah, you know, there's... The after... The after stuff kind of helps it, but... I don't know. As soon as she disappeared, I, I was just waiting for the return right when we needed it, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't hate it, but it felt kind of weird and unsatisfying. It was Chekhov's sword for, like, however long it takes you to get from that scene to the end. Yeah. 
Moose, you're so quiet. I know. What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? Ab about which part in particular? Everything. I just, her showing up. Just, just her showing up. Sure. Yes. Sure. For okay. Now, unless you um, have more. I think I think the timing was conspicuous. I think the timing was very, like much like the the volley of of fire from the uh, airships mm -hmm. at the beginning, just a narrative contrivance that was just not scored into the 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 surface of the story as as well as it could be. Um, but at the same time, nothing feels terribly wrong about it because mm -hmm. I think Messiah's story was kind of a middle ground between these two sides that we were told about this whole time. And it highlights being able to see things from multiple perspectives, especially, I think you kind of have to read her field field notes kind of closely to get yeah. all of it, but it's a little like Fordola in this idea of taking the path that you believe to be right. And yeah. the decisions that you're making, you become blind to being as bad as they are when you think they're serving the right ends. Like there are some characters, I think Nier again highlighted this really well. There are some characters that just, you don't have to be crazy or evil to commit atrocities if you think you're right, mm -hmm. if you're that convinced you're right. And if you go through her field notes, I think this ending makes sense in a way, not as redemption, but as consistency with kind of following what she thought was the best thing to do in the moment. So this is kind of like the face turn of her character in a way, but not in a way I think redeems her, just makes sense of her um, her loyalties sure. and her commitment. I, but I do I like think, think the no, timing ahead. of it, the timing of it interrupts the ability to process that fully. I like to think that, um, and this is, this is BS. I'm just going to say <laughs> I like to think <laughs> that the queen, the actual queen, has been watching this whole time uh, and and just sort of went, okay, so if that Diablos armament gets out, uh, that's going to be bad, but also we'll get rid of that thing that this Legion has, and then I know I can take it out. No big deal. And that'll bolster the people who are my people from long ago. So I'm just going to... Mm. I'm just going to show up at the right time and take care of that. And everybody who I want to win is going to be just fine. So give, I give mean, her timing a little less uh, contrived uh, plot line. It just has to happen yeah. now feeling. Yeah. To, to go into the, the theme of primals, right? They answer your prayers. What yeah. the whole resistance group was praying for salvation. What showed up? Salvation. The excuse I tell myself is that supernatural beings may not experience time exactly the same way we do. And they might have a little more warning than we do and might have a little more opportunity to manifest than we do. And that, you know, for us, it might be like a split second deus ex machina thing, but for them, they, you know, that they, they see the determinism coming Makoto echo style. And they're just like, then that's the point I'm going to intervene. Like, yep. So I, I good. try to like find that excuses better. for it, but <laughs> these are all good theories. Yeah. I actually, I'll, you know, I also like that idea of the prayer. I hadn't really thought about that, or yeah, even just like the prayers of her people throughout all time. Like the idea That's... that she is this embodiment for them, and I do also like the idea that supernatural entities just aren't mm -hmm. beholden to a lot of the same rules. And I mean, they can just do stuff we yeah. can't. <laughs> to me, the scene was just like a parallel of Cartno. Everyone mm -hmm. praying for salvation, it appearing, but it went well this time. It worked. I like that. It worked this time. 
So uh, ultimately, uh, Misija was pretty screwed up, and she yeah. she says she doesn't she refuses treatment. She doesn't want to be to be healed. Um, and uh, Jazzle Bean <laughs> gives you that same choice he gave you earlier. Uh, are we gonna take care of her? Are we gonna kill her off? How do you want to handle this, bro? And uh, you base. My, my assumption, we've talked about this before, yeah. based on the choice you previously made and the choice you make now, you get a bunch of different outcomes. Most people yeah. that uh, I talked to got where you're like, I'm going to kill her. And then Jazzlebean's like, no, 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 I can't let you do that. And he, he ends yeah. her. Um, my choice, when I said, I'll take care of her, when, he doesn't stop me. He didn't try to stop me. So when I went to go mm. kill her, she was already dead. So in both cases, ah. she, you're not the one who kills her. But it's just a on... little bit of window dressing. Yeah. It's yeah. a little bit of framing. It's helps you cool. maintain consistency with how you want the story to be for how you play. Like, yeah. I think I think a lot of people had criticisms for that this didn't make a huge impact on the story. No. But I think it I think it preserves your ability to perceive your character in the story the way you want to. That's right. what counted for me. I don't think it was much more of a narrative choice as much as a personal choice. Um, I actually went the other way with it, where as we went through the story, I was realizing like, wow, I'd love to stab her for my own benefit. And it'd be great. It'd be great if she were attacking me and I was defending myself and I could, you know, feel good about that. But in the position that we were in, that's not how it was at all. So I refused to go forward with it as my character because... Mm. It's not my character's job to make political decisions for other countries. And this is a very political exactly. decision. It's a historical decision. That's a Boja decision. That is not a Moose decision. So like exactly. as much as I personally would have loved kind of the, wow, she has really like screwed with my life these last few months. I would love to do that. I can't do it in that scenario. So I actually went the other way with it. I yeah. did the, I did the same, but for like, if you went for the larger picture issues like politics, I went much more for like the personal kind of thing because the character that I play on, that's like my main character, right? Um, has Is also a role playing character. And so for her, like I usually tend to look at a lot of these situations in a more complex light because um, actually a lot of the Dabog lore that we got from this really mm. closely echoed some of the stuff that I had already kind of come up with for her and like yeah. some of the things that had happened to her um, and like, you know, her history and being modified by the empire and things like that. And I loved it. I was like, this is perfect. Now I'm vindicated in all of my ideas. Yeah. So that's why this is the best content in all of Final Fantasy XIV. But also mm -hmm. personally, I could see in her an echo of the things that my own character kind of reflected, right? A morally complex character making decisions based off of what they think to some degree is right or have been told. And um, I also don't want to kill any more female Rugadins in this game. I want them to live and thrive. But it had right. to do with that more personal thing, right? Like, who am I to judge when I can't even truly judge myself, right? So for that, I was like, no, I will not kill her. And whatever else she faces is of her own volition or the, you know, what she's brought about because of the things she's done in this nation. But yeah, I just didn't feel like my character would think that they had the right to judge when they themselves had you know, contributed to this in any sort of way, shape, or form, or like the Garlean Empire machine, which I thought was, I don't know, it's interesting to see how people make these decisions. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's the layer on top of that because, and we'll talk about it at the end, this is a frame story. Is that what's written? What was written, right? What, what 
actually was written from there, the, regardless of your choice, what was actually written. And we get into, you know, Infusion, you may still be in the chat, the whole my my vision of it versus yours, what is the canon, and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter in this case, which is nice. I, it does ceremonially, ceremonially, politically. Uh, you know, Moose, I was the same, like, in my headcanon of my character, he's like, absolutely not. This is not my choice. You do what you will. I'll help you. That's what I'm here for. But that's up to you. If you're going to be a leader, you have to do it. But I really think that this gives everyone this kind of idea, like, okay, maybe I do have to think about what my character would do. Some people are really used to that. Some people aren't. And to put that in front of you, I think it's just a great idea in general is, to have these conversations. This is going to be my go-to example in the future of a mechanically, narratively pointless choice mm -hmm. that exists for good reason. That it's right. not just a moment for you to like, you know, hit a button so you feel like you're still playing a game and involved in the story, which some do feel like sometimes. Mm -hmm. But this one, I think, was more of just f helping you frame the story the way you want to frame it in your own mind for your own character. And sometimes those mechanically pointless choices add a lot to the experience in a way that some people don't give them credit for. Right. I think, um, to go back to my choice, I, I definitely went the RP route, which I actually mm -hmm. don't normally do when I make uh, character game choices. Normally I normally I do them for myself, and I usually pick the nice things, but my character is actually supposed to be sort of ruthless, so I did pick Let's Murder This Bitch. I'm tired of her. <laughs> yeah. um, oh! But uh, I think my initial choice was, uh, no, she needs to go on trial. And I like that in, in that that case with those two uh, things where the character changes its mind, the uh, secondary character sort of takes, doesn't take that choice from you. Like, mm -hmm. they, they could have, in the case of everybody else, they could have stuck with the one where yeah. Uh, yeah. he's like, no, 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 I'll do it. It's like, no. Uh, I mean, you've made this choice. You you had this nice thought earlier, but you're mean now. I guess go yeah. ahead. I think that's really yeah. it's kind of interesting where they they don't try and and take that that character development away from you, mm -hmm. if you will. So I think it's it's interesting the way they they line things up. Uh, do we have anything else on that choice we want to talk about? I know we talked about it before, pretty pretty in depth. Mm. No. Uh, so basically, the wrap up here is you go back to Gongos and there's a party. As you might imagine, people are very excited. Uh, I think uh, Basil Jean, Jazzlebean, whatever his mm -hmm. name is, uh, says he's going to take <laughs> care of um, Mysterious Burial, um, yeah. which is not party material. But yeah, you go back, no. there's a party. Um, and they're already starting to put together a new government. And mm -hmm. in in these, these papers you see, they're actually using some Garlean stuff. They're using Garlean ideas to put together their new government. So uh, while uh, they were trying to get out from under that rule, it's interesting that they also understand that some of those ideals could mm -hmm. actually be useful. And or you can come at it from the other perspective where, what are you doing? Why would you do this to yourselves? Are you, have you been more brainwashed, did you think? I think... It's a very interesting point that there are many mm -hmm. views on at this point, probably. It's, I... Go oh, good, good. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, you don't... I mean, a lot of games don't go into this detail. Like, they had to here because it's a, a continuation of the theme of this integration, this melding, uh, merging of the cultures. But a lot of games wouldn't be like, yeah, well, they're creating a new government and this is what they're going to do. 
right? Because it's such a, ah, whatever, it's not a game thing. But just talking about it in general and seeing the pushback, and it, it just really brings home all of the themes of Boja so far. And seeing, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn from my mistakes, and then the people are like, no, those are mistakes too, you know. I chose to see this as social commentary, mm-hmm. um, just because it reflected so much of sure. kind of what I see as an American is mm-hmm. this idea that like even when you have political rivals, political enemies, even. Um, to throw out the baby with the bathwater of we can't embrace good ideas because of who had them, that that's a problem. So that when we look at the way Garlean rule worked in, if we look at the core provinces, the ones where there, you know, there is no rebellion, people are happy to be in the empire. They've been in it forever. Um, as far as we know, um, that there are good principles in there sometimes. There's effective rule in there. It's not just all atrocity, all oppression, all the time. There's leadership in there somewhere. So, you know, not only is it, you know, functional to a degree, there are some good ideas in there, but it's also what the people know. Um, So I just appreciated that nod to you don't have to throw out good ideas because you don't like who had them. And I feel like that's something a lot of embrace in the world today. And... I don't know. I chose to see it as social commentary. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also an interesting glimpse into the like future possibilities of what happens after the Mm. empire's reach is kind of gone, you know, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there are these places that have been ruled in a specific way. Or like you said, these ideas that may have originally been core concepts or a part of the actual structures that like whether they're already in place in those nations or they are not bad ideas in and of themselves. And even with the Fourth Legion, right? So, like, a lot of the Fourth Mm -hmm. Legion's policies have adapted. They've been changed. Like, we've seen that the Fourth Legion in and of itself is kind of unique. And so they themselves have already started this process of claiming what they want to claim and tossing what they don't and creating something that will work better for the future of their people as a whole with, like, the perspective of what's happened or been done to them or what they've been a part of in this regime, right? Like, it's it's very, it's complex. But at the same time, I think that having them do this does kind of set the tone for how things may even change in those other places as this rule starts to like go. And we see, you know, bits and pieces of that as well with like for and every nation will probably have their yeah. own way that they respond to this, whether it is going completely opposite and being like, no, we reclaim ourselves for ourselves. Or it's something like this where they're going, we have to envision an actual purposeful future that exists within the confines of what's currently happening in our country and how do we do that in a way that you know lifts us up and lets us move forward uh it's it's cool i don't want to i don't want to go off the rails because we're so close to the end yep. here but just hearing this draws an immediate parallel in my mind because this is a crusade that i'm on to the Asians now that the unsundered are gone because yeah, they were under this regime. They were made to do this. Now what? Do you follow what they were doing? Do you go crazy like Van Daniel? Do you try and make something new? Are they all gone? I don't know. And I really we want need, to know. We need a couple more answers than we have. Yeah. Um, I think I can like suspect 
Sure. Based on the level and speed with which Square Enix was throwing Assians under the mm-hmm. bus for most of 4.0, right. it was just like, oh, side story, Assian died there. Assian <laughs> already died here, two Assians died there. So like just the speed they were trying to get rid of them for a couple weeks tells me that they don't have a lot of grand sure. lands to expect for them, but that's at the time. Mm-hmm. So 5.0, Emmett tells us that all the summoners of Zodiac are tempered. Um, and I feel like this is a debate every time I bring it up, but my experience of them so far is that holds true when they're restored to their office, that you don't just get to like loophole yourself out with some kind of, you know, death, um, bodily death experience. Cause like we've seen that work with living people before, but like, if you remember who you are, your identity, and that identity was tempered, you're still tempered, is what I'm getting the impression of so far because of, of what we saw in Eden with Gaia. As soon as she started to remember who Gaia was, it started coming back. He got the glyph, he got the seething darkness. There's, the, there's a deleted line where she screams in Lord Zodiac's name. So because of all of that, I think they might all still be tempered. So they might just have wildly different ideas of what makes Zodiac happy and no chill at all. Right. (laughs) Because, like, I think back to Nabriales. Nabriales was was under orders from La Habrea to do a thing for Zodiac, but the instant he saw a way, like, you know, I really hate that La Habrea is going to look good for this. I'm going to steal Tupsamati and then I'll sit at Zodiac's right hand. Like that was his whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if they all have that. So when you say what now, my only question is, do they agree? Does do Van Daniel and the others agree on what would make Zodiac happy or are they all crazy? And we've seen something kind of that I think maybe reinforces this with Tiamat, the idea that Mm -hmm. like there may be incredibly powerful entities that are tempered and may within that have, again, their own agency to some degree. Like, but that perhaps because of, yes, their own power or longevity or will or whatever it is, are able to hold their own to some degree or be kind of immune to these presences like we see with the Echo. But like, specifically in this case of being tempered, it doesn't always mean that you become like a mindless zombie that's just sort of like being beckoned around. So I could definitely see something like that with them. I think it would make yeah. sense. And I think they've even recently reinforced that kind of concept with Tiamat. So, yeah. you know, or I just bring with, it up because of the parallel. Even with, with Gaia, she comes back around. Yeah. So, um, so going back to the plot, mm-hmm. uh, we learned that our buddy Lilia is totally fine. Well, she's recovering, not totally yeah. fine. Um, there's a cute little exchange where, uh, Sid threatens to bring in Jesse to yell at her for overexerting herself. Uh, (laughs) and then Fran shows up. Will this be the last time we see Fran? But basically she says, uh, hey, didn't expect much of you. Thanks for showing up and doing all of this stuff. Uh, but Gibranth is still out there and, uh, I gotta take care of that for forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, so she may call on us for our help again. In Damascus, which is why so many people, well, amongst other things, were, were like, there's going to be more to this, right? There's going to be more to this, right? There's going to be more to this, right? No. Um, Apparently yeah, no. no. Apparently not. <laughs> as far as we know now. But, I yeah. mean, could they take these Maybe. and do something with them later? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all still there. And just because Matsuno won't have his hands on it doesn't mean it won't go somewhere. Will it be mm-hmm. as good? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, we see... We go back to Makoto, and she is checking out the Save the Queen sword. 
Uh, and apparently the queen's presence is gone from the sword. She is no longer an Odin. Um, what do they do with that sword? They just kind of keep they, it. They let you put it in your house. They yeah. turn it yeah. into a housing item is what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, every time there's something important and we just like throw it in a canyon, it comes back. So yeah. <laughs> you um, might as well I, let me put it in my basement like Lara Croft. I'll keep it safe. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, yes. Uh, and then we see the narrator we've been watching uh, is none other than Jazzlebean in yep. his book, Chronicles of the Bojan Revolution. Uh, Marsak bid- Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's a move we've had across. At all the time. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Across Having the expansions. Started, I think, started it here. Yeah. Um, which I like. I think it's neat. It does mm-hmm. make me wonder if it opens them up to, you know, future merch possibilities <laughs> down the road. <laughs> just we as like get notebooks. the chronicles just yeah. Yeah, or as notebooks. Yeah. Be cool. And also, uh, I'm going to hate saying this, but if if the storylines that we're playing are just somebody's chronicle, like how much of what we're learning is actually canon to the real, quote unquote, real world? <laughs> of course, yeah. Are the oh, stories that we're away. playing just like mm-hmm. the lore books? They've taken away our agency. We we are the biased experience, or we are someone else's biased experience mm-hmm. of ourselves. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. No. Right? I'm what sorry. I, I'm over here thinking about more freaking time shenanigans. Like, if these right. are all someone else's memoirs, then hasn't this already happened? But if someone, if this already happened, then how did we change what happened mid-memoir? So really, this didn't happen, and the solution <laughs> is that there was never an Eighth Umbral Era, and these are all Grandfather Paradox memories because, <laughs> you know... In the time library. Short, we are, it, we're sitting story. for, yeah. like, 10 years plus in a time library reading things that never happened. <laughs> yeah, two years two years from now, Graho goes back in the tower with his false memories. He wakes up 200 years from now back into the... Yeah, yeah side story ruined it. everything. I lose it if at the very end of this, the end of Endwalker, right? They cut to something and like Zen, like you were saying, it's like your character sitting there at a table reading the book and you realize that the whole time you've been the narrator or I don't know, Heidelin's voice is somehow your own or something. You are Heidelin! You, you like shut you shut the book and you look into the camera and you go, that's not how it happened at all. And then it's like Endwalker credits roll. 80 cent theme. Uh, that is now, you know what? I uh, the ending where we become a god and everything goes even like higher stakes, even crazier. I want to avoid that so bad. I'll take that. That's my <laughs> second second worst case scenario now. Uh, yikes! I'll take it. All right. Let's see. There's an epilogue. Did I skip yeah. anything? Nah, not really. Nah. There's an epilogue where we go to. Valnane in Dalmasca mm-hmm. and see Lion being debriefed by Gabranth. Uh, Grandpa Lion did not die. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I really like that that jovial slash grumpy old man. I don't know what's up with that. He's like anyway. the consummate mercenary. I just like yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, I also just like his weird fashion. Like, the headband yeah, sure. and stuff, it gets me. I mean, like, I know it's a little bit of, like, a throwback hairstyle-wise, but, like, I yeah. don't know. He feels like that weird guy that shows up to every meeting in like a Hawaiian shirt and, you know, like cargo <laughs> shorts and everybody else is like there doing really important business stuff, but he knows he's so vital to the company that nobody would dare speak out against him. Puts so like sock sandal feet on up. the table, like whatever. Yeah, he puts his like sock it. sandal feet up on the table. That's the energy I get from yeah. this man. I yeah. like it. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, he takes offense at Gabrant's reaction to the news of Mininius's de- demise. Like, don't you care? What the heck? Don't yeah. you care? Goku, why don't you care that Gohan is dead? <laughs> uh, Gabrant sends the nearby soldiers away and asks Lion, what would you have me do then? In their conversation, yeah. Gabranth commends Mininius for his strength, but remarks uh, that my time is short. So he's like, I mean, he did a good job, but I got shit to do. It's very, very, not a very nice man. Which, is is that consistent with uh, other Gabranth? I haven't played Tactics. Or 12 or anything. 12, yeah. I mean. Gabranth is 12. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Gabranth is a tough one in 12 because he has a vision and he's loyal to it. But he also does a lot of questionable shit along the way that makes you like the conversations that he has when no one else is around mm-hmm. show that in spite of kind of goals that you might understand and agree with, he's not always, you know, putting on a facade over that and is a great guy either. He's mm-hmm. just a very complex character. Mm-hmm. Like the way he talks to Bosch is just not totally on par with what you'd assume about him if you only knew his true motivation. So it's he's a complex guy. Okay. So uh, Gabron starts to send Lion to jail because he messed up uh, when Sicinius, who we were talking about earlier going, who is that again? Okay. Uh, he shows up and tells Gabranth that they've recovered more relics. Uh, and then they both kind of look to an axe and a greatsword, which are theoretically more of the weapons. Mm-hmm. Which was a big question of mine, like, why do we only have this one sword? Aren't there, you know, like, right. one for every job? The the part of it that frustrated me so much is the choice of the weapons. Yeah. Because if you take away that one scene, it's very easy to assume that what happens is Gibranth sends Lion to jail for a little bit. Lion stews about everything that he experienced in in this entire thing. He sees how expendable Menenius was in spite of his loyalty and that he just decides, you know what? You know, we we all followed you to build this new nation. Everything collapsed. We didn't get anything out of it. And that's why in the field note, he goes back and kills Gabranth later. And it all makes sense. But this scene where they yeah. they show up and Gabranth is just like, Hey, you're gonna have to go to jail for a little bit. That good? Whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, that sounds like they both know they're gonna see each other again, and these people show up delivering what two weapons? Gibran's weapon of choice and Lion's weapon exactly. of choice. And that just sounds like they're gonna meet back up because they have a plan later. And mm-hmm. the fact that no, like, I I cannot read that death of Gibran note and think he's dead. He's right. he's fine. He's fine. That all says to me third arc mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch more of this that i could talk about but we're on this one scene right now so let's finish okay. that scene yeah that's it i, think. I mean that's, it's that's absolutely the setup for a, the next thing absolutely. right it's like if you're gonna have a next part you don't usually sometimes like you know sometimes they'll end a season and it's like everything's all wrapped up yay we did it excellent don't look forward to the next one, but maybe <laughs> like like that's that's the ending of a series, right? But if you are setting something up, you every time in any media, movie, anything, you have that little cliffhanger. You have the and then dot dot mm-hmm. dot. You the have stinger. the little moment, the stinger that says yeah. this is the beginning of the next thing. This was not written as an ending. Like this was <laughs> written 
That happens in shows too, where they're like, here's the next one. And then the season, the show gets canceled. And for me, reading some of Masano's tweets makes me feel like his next season got canceled. Sure. I would like to see it return in a different form. Like the first one was a 24-man raid series. The second one was a relic arc. The third one could be anything. But if they could convince him not to leave 50 plot hooks laying around and give us closure, I'd love to see a third one. Like if a third one's just going to make us feel this way about the fourth one, then fine. Second one, whatever. But like I do want the closure really bad now. Um, They're making the nine anime. What if this is just an anime later? An anime setup? Yeah. I mean, I would take it over nothing. Yeah. But do I think that it would be... I feel like it'd be wanna, weird. Yeah. It would be very I strange wanna be to realistic. be like, if you want to know what's happening in this anime, go play this video game. Yeah. I want to be realistic because when we ended the 24-man raid series, like the collab was over, we were like, what? Like Fran just got here. Mm-hmm. Like we never saw any of this stuff. Like, you know, so when we're seeing this in Boja, it feels like a natural continuation of that, even though it probably wasn't. So like... When am, when am I good to go into what I foresaw coming? Do we have any like yeah. else up. left in our... Nope, that's just do, do it up, up, do it up. Okay. Okay. So where this ended, Fran coming back here felt to me like them gluing that all those leftovers of A onto the ending of B for C. Um, what I saw was all of these pieces fit together into one cohesive narrative, which is Ash is back. They revealed that she's like somehow the actual Ash in Stasis somehow. Like that's one thing I want an explanation for. It Mm -hmm. becomes kind of a broken vase. We've seen Stasis before, how'd they do it? Um, But Ash comes back, reclaims her throne, rebuilds Dalmasca. You've now got the Del, um, you've got the Rabinaster side of Dalmasca under control of Ash. She's able to consolidate the throne. You've got Fran on her side. Lente's Tears brings all the factions together under Ash, because Ash is back. Mm-hmm. So you've got Rabinaster leading the major Dalmascan forces. You have Gibranth abandoning the Fourth Legion as far as the Empire is concerned. Garlemald is falling. They went rogue. They lost. So he's got to shed everything that's not loyal to him and his new nation. He lets them get stomped by Ash. They take back Valnane and Leomond, restore Dalmasca into one cohesive whole, just in time for all of Gibranth and Lion's forces to come back with Tartarus or whatever they dug up this time mm-hmm. and cause more trouble for them for that one final battle to determine who's going to control the ruins of Rabinaster and what where Ivalice once was. And then you have a first, second, and third act of Ivalice in Final Fantasy XIV. Everything's wrapped up with a tidy little bow they lose that's it they come back to build their new nation and they lose and how are we not getting it how are we not yeah. getting it i have a bad joke mm-hmm. so next expansion everything's on fire yeah what yeah. comes from fire friends ash oh oh right. then two in one that's podcast 
That's um, why I thought there was like the 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 note refers to a six month gap, even though this world has no sense of time in it. And I yeah. really thought, yeah. I really thought that what was going to happen is those six months are Endwalker, and mm-hmm. that at the end of Endwalker, we're going to catch back up with Ash, having consolidated her power, having consolidated Lente's tears, having taken back the throne, and starting her march on Valnane and Leomond. I thought it was so obvious, and then we get Gabronth coming from Landis, and just argh, I'm never going to get it now yeah i mean it feels like it should be right go ahead zen go ahead i'm so i'm just looking back at the tweets it says the side story is over sure save the queen is over maybe maybe it's something else you know save the queen is over different different side story time uh unfortunately that plan has disappeared that doesn't mean there's not another plan uh and then what else did he say the story was completed because, okay, yeah, the story is completed. So what? New story, same characters. I hope, because there's also the entire thing that, like, they've kind of tried to do something here in the game where we generally see sort of the homeland, at least in a brief passing of these mm-hmm. different races that are in the game. So, I mean, the fact that we even, it took way longer than I think it probably should have, although within the context of Stormblood, it worked. <laughs> like, the Azim step and stuff like that, right? The Aura... We didn't, they just were kind of there as refugees for a while, and then way down the way, we got their actual kind of homeland and a, a sneak peek into it uh, with the map. And of course, it doesn't encompass everything, but the fact that we have the Vera, that we have the Hrothgar, that we know now that they're going to be getting the opposite genders, it seems to me at some point you would, for players who play them, probably want to showcase something about their right. culture and people. Yes. So, like, there's that in that same region that I think would make sense. And I also mm-hmm. just, like, I hope, like, of course, to me, I think Matsuno is a part of this world in a way that I'm sure others could emulate. And I'm sure that if we continue to tell the stories, and I'm sure there are probably many reasons behind the scenes why they would have, you know, had a departure for him from this, or he may have. And... Maybe he's just got a... Like, I, I mean, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe scenario. it's... Yeah, maybe it's going into main scenario territory when we go about, around back to it, and we have other people who work on that. Yeah. So he's like, so, like, let me not step on any toes right now. There's a lot of possibilities, um, and I hope they don't just like abandon that corner of the world, because, yeah, we've got so much in there right. that needs to be addressed, I think. If and you it's want not to abandon like it, them. abandon it after closure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> after closure. I like it's if I can foresee this story, there's a lot to do there. Like what I can foresee is so specific and I feel like anybody could kind of follow that plan. But at the same time, I just it's that's all I want. I want to see Ash reclaim her throne and I want to see someone win Dalmasca. That's it. I want to see like you could have a great story about kind of Ash and Gabronth and what it means to fight for your home, what it means to have different ideas of liberation from an empire and then bring Ivalice back into it somehow. Have your other four espers. We all go home happy. Mm -hmm. Like... So, we can only I, hope and dream. I hope. I hope. Does that does that comprise all of your your hopes and dreams there? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Okay. Do we want to yeah. get into field notes? Yes. Um, we'll these are long, so we are not going to read them out. Sure. <laughs> Theoretically, um, you guys are familiar enough with them to sum up pretty good. 
You can also read all of them on Gamerscape. I think if you just go Gamerscape wiki field records. We have a really nice field record page, actually. Mm -hmm. Shout out to who made that. I mean, it's as easy to navigate as it is in the game. It is awesome. It really is. You know, I got stuck in there. Like, I only put two in the outline because we were like, we're just going to put two in the outline because they're so long. But I ended up reading, I don't know how many. I don't even want to say, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Ahu and Icarus did a lot of it. Looks really good. Really, good really job, good. guys. So the first one we have is Noah Van Gebranth. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to. Go ahead. Hold on. I'm so sorry. Really fast before we get off this topic, I want to address a question that I saw in chat really quick oh, because okay. this is something that's going around in the public rhetoric of the game. I just want. I just want to take a second. And I love Ivory, and I know Ivory, so I know you're probably just like passing this on as a community discussion thing. Do we, we don't think that Matsuno leaving is because he left because of male Vera breaking the lore. <laughs> and I don't know if this is a joke or not, but I'm going to address it like it's very serious. Yeah. Um, no. And I think that anybody who says that Matsuno left because of this is because they themselves, for whatever reason, are on a high horse about male Vera being introduced into this game sure. and are trying to find a way to justify that. We've had Matsuno explicitly state recently in an interview um, some of his own Vieira lore and stuff. And he talked about male Vieira existing. He talked about concepts of gender within the Vieira, which was really fascinating. If you haven't read mm-hmm. that yet, definitely do. Um, and that male Vieira were something he's always encompassed within the world of the game. And there's many reasons that they like weren't there. And, you know, he has a whole rich world of how he perceives this kind of gender thing within the Vieira existing. Um, and he, in the tweets that we've seen, most specifically made reference to the fact that it seems as though the Japanese community did not receive this content well, that it was very mixed, and that like the only specific thing that he has said is that it's been interesting to him seeing how the Western community responded to it because the Japanese community really did not seem Mm -hmm. to resonate with it, which may or may not have led to this. But there are no mentions about him leaving because he's like, how very dare you put male Fiera in this yeah. game? <laughs> uh, Darth Zillion in chat is saying that uh, Matsuno did tweet that the uh, way that they designed male Fiera for 14 weren't really what he'd envision, but that he was still impressed with it. So mm. theoretically, that means that it's fine. It's, it's cool. It yeah. doesn't bother him enough to leave. I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I think he said he was even planning on fantasizing to one. So I think that's like a yeah. fair statement to make is like, it's not exactly, it's, it's not based on my concept art. Like it's not based on what I was thinking of when we made 12, they did their own thing with it, but I still like it. The thing right. is, is that I, I have a suspicion based on what I've heard Yoshida say in the past. Yoshida has gushed about this guy in the past. They're all huge mm-hmm. Matsuno fans. Yep. Um, there are former members of 12 on the team. There are people who respect his work going back to Tactics Ogre. And I just really, like, I joked around with Yoshida once at the interview that they sent me to for Gamer Escape. And I was like, hey, you kept saying, like, Hyaline was isolated. Now we have Ivalice? Like, are you really, like, bridging these two worlds? And he's And he joked, well... Matsuno-san's a god, and if yeah. God says they're connected, they're connected. So, like, if Yoshida would do that for him, mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that he would have ever okayed any any version of Melvira that he didn't approve of. I have a feeling that at every step of the way, he was just like, hey, here's, here's kind of what we're thinking. Do you hate this? 
does this sully your your creations in any way? Like that's I I can't imagine he didn't okay it with him. Yeah, you know, I remember him saying that Matsuno was one of his inspirations to be in the industry at all. And there's just there's no way. <laughs> there's no way that they would run afoul of him in, in that way. Um I, I I don't see it. I really don't see it. I, I can see that there's conspiracies and I really wish that they would tell us, but they don't have to, right? They just don't. I think it's just part of the culture that you don't talk about the internal politics mm -hmm. of why things happen and don't happen. Yeah. Uh, we had that happen with, with everybody trying to throw Koji under the bus for, for the Darnus debacle. Yeah. Where no one knew what was going on with Darnus's backstory and the genders and what was going on there. We know that it had something to do with kind of poor communication and multiple visions and no real anything being set in stone. They're never really being an iron fist about it, but they were never going to be like, yeah, it's this person's fault under the bus. Like you just don't talk about that kind of stuff. And what we uh, ended up with is an interesting story. So who cares? Yeah. yeah. Darnus is I, one of the coolest characters now because yeah. of that crap. You can yeah, clean up sorry. anything with a little work. Yeah. I, I just wanted to address that really fast because yeah. it was one of those comments where I was like, oh, no, if this is the thing that the community is thinking, like, I truly right. don't believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. um, so, yeah, I, I think there's much more. There's bigger stuff. But onwards to the entries. Onwards to our field, oh, sure. notes, our field records. Uh, if it's all right with you, I'm going to hand these over to either Charles or Moose and uh, you guys can handle sum them up. What am what am I doing? I I see there's two pull, pull notes. out the bits the bits that make you go ah yes this field note is let's let's talk about Gabrant's death and how okay. it was yeah. not gonna happen and now I don't know what it's gonna be. <laughs> All right, sure. So I'll just go through it real quick. So it talks about you know his background, um, you know it talks about he was charismatic and all of this sort of stuff, and it goes through a story about yes. how Beast King <laughs> Lion taking extreme upwards at being held responsible for the defeat of the Fourth Legion, plotted mut mutiny, and then succeeded, supposedly. But they never found the body of Gabran. Yes. And even because of that, there's even more kind of legacy behind people thinking they've seen him, this sort of thing. Um, so what were your notes on that? I I think the word extreme umbrage, that term, yeah, is is the giveaway for me that the rest of this is the biased notes of whoever is writing for the Bojan resistance. Because we saw a cutscene that the Bojan resistance didn't see. We've seen a cutscene that the Warrior of Light was not privileged to. Like we have information that shows that he was just like, hey, you know. Technically, this was a failure, so you're going to have to go to jail for a bit. That cool? Yeah, that's cool. Like, that's not extreme umbrage. So, like I said, no. without that scene of the weapons showing up, you could take this for granted and be like, okay, well, maybe he just stewed in jail for a while about what happened to Menenius and the, the way that that went down. Like, we saw their little brotherhood moment at the end there. Maybe he did eventually do really hard on that but because of that weapons coming in scene i'm just like it's this is this is a lie this is this is history being written by the victor and it's a lie they don't they might not know it's a lie but it's a lie to the players it could even be um propaganda from the legion like hey look yeah. this is what happened yeah. is totally dead you guys don't worry about us anymore yeah no, it, i mean it made me think of oh go ahead oh all i was gonna say is like 
maybe this was something where they like had done those cutscenes and then there was information like if we truly aren't getting any more of this story maybe mm. there was information that came out where they you know realized like oh yeah well this will actually be where it ends and so the writers really fast putting in these field notes were like oh Debbie dies I mean it's possible it's possible but I agree in the sense that even in the way that it's written feels like an open door in some way shape or form anytime it's like and somebody died and you're like cool did like they see the body for sure and they're like no they fell off a bridge and you're like oh they're not dead then they're definitely alive or there's only two ways there's only two ways to read this and like for me for me like i call me wrong call me biased whatever but there are only two ways to read this for me one this was going to be the next section of plot and they didn't have time to do it so they just threw it in the notes and called it a day um that's one way to take it maybe that's how it really ended and there were just open open ideas and then the other one is this is a setup like this is just a Mm -hmm. calculated setup and maybe the setup goes nowhere like we had a lot of calculated setup at the end of Return to Evilese and those uh, Evolution raids, and those weren't apparently going anywhere either. But yeah, apparently the body, I... quote unquote, the body was mm-hmm. found, but it was like severely burned. So you know when yes, exactly. when you're trying to cover yeah, up somebody's death right. that it's not really their exactly. death, you just burn the body. That is it's that like that when is someone a adds the word. It's when someone adds the word seemingly or ostensibly. He was seemingly killed when oh oh okay he'll yes. be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny though because it's like one segment is just so wishy washy. It's like. Oh yeah, Gabron's body was discovered. He's burned so bad you couldn't even recognize him. And in part because like nobody's even seen his face, so nobody even knows what he looks like. And you're like, okay. And then, oh, but still, in the end though, it definitely mm-hmm. was for sure confirmed. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I love the, <laughs> I love the ups and downs of this note. He yeah. was killed. Oh, but they couldn't tell it was him because the body was burned. Oh, but then they confirmed it was him. Oh, but I some just, people think yeah. that's a lie. Oh, <laughs> I enjoy the, uh, but nobody's not, not that many people have even seen his face. So it's like, okay, so even if we did find him, we wouldn't know it was him because we don't know yeah. what he oh looks I took, like. I took that as yet another darnest brick joke of how no one ever knew mm. it was Eula. Because like when Gaius came back, one of them, um, Sid and Nero were were also like, well, I didn't see him without his helmet much anyway. Like, (laughs) who can say? It's a good point when you wear fancy armor all the time in public. No one knows what you look like underneath it. So half the people look like all you had to worry about was military doctor. Yeah, that's it. She she bribed that one. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, it's Garlemald. There is corruption. But, you know, he mentioned that his time was short, right? Hmm. And that was, that's, a lot of people are sticking to that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Did he just die of some unknown malady? And then they covered Sudden it up. Sudden burning. Or did Lion actually do it? Yeah, you know. Like, uh, but what's, that, the, what's that called whole... when you just erupt into flame? Spontaneous, Spontaneous combustion. combustion. There you go. <laughs> he knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah, he could feel it. He was getting a no. little warm. There's probably already a plan in place where he's like, all right, I have to fake my death right here because later on I have mm-hmm. to do this, this, and this. Right. Well, they, they and, could do. They could do that. They could just be like, "Well, you know, Lion put him out of his misery, and this is how history sure, yeah. remembers it." Ugh. And but at By the same time, him? yeah, well, like, that's what I'm saying. Like at the same time, that doesn't sound like a great way to no. do it. So that, yeah, no. 
it's I don't know suspicious yeah it's one of those things where I think they can use it either way you know Mm -hmm. to us and to me this seems like a very clear setup this seems like something you'd put in there with intentions of like paired with everything else intentions of the next chapter right but I think with the way that they have kind of wiffle waffled this they could be like and we never did anything with it again and if anybody said like but what about that they'd be like he died did you not read the notes like yeah they can do whatever they want with this however i do think the overall culmination and the fact that like while these specific notes are big Mm -hmm. in this content there's so much that's revealed in them right to me if this is going to be the end then it needs to be readable in that way at the end of the cutscenes, at the end of the playable experience, it needs to be readable that way. So to me, this is an open door they've left cracked, and they're like, we can do this if we want, maybe at some point, maybe not, who knows, but there's stuff there. But it doesn't feel, uh, you know, like, with what we know now yeah. from Matsuno, I have serious doubts about them continuing it. But mm-hmm. if we had had this conversation yesterday, I would have been like, for sure there's a third part coming. Right. <laughs> so... I- I just don't know how they just I'm just imagining the the lifetime of the game after Endwalker to never talk about Dalmasca again in the fall of Garlemald. There's no way there's no way you can just ignore it. I've had a we've had we've had kind of shitpost ideas over and over and over again. We had Gaius lives. Gaius lived. Mm -hmm. We had Elidibus is a snake. Elidibus was a snake. I'm currently stuck on the presence of Silver Tear Lake. But like, if we get the answers of Silver Tear Lake, we're transitioning directly to Gibranth. Yeah. We're we're transitioning directly to Gibranth and Lion last last tag team match. Yeah. I, I just I, I can't believe that we won't see it. It's not so, over. I like I like this discussion we'll you've been having in chat. This little this little <laughs> yeah. bit of lion is Gabranth. Yeah. We'll know we'll know when he shows up with an axe and a great sword in either hand. So one in each hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That's yeah. it. That's what I want from the Done. next story. Hey, Garlemald can it. clone people. You know, I was gonna say how. I mean, Garlemald has fallen, so, you know, maybe you can't get to the technology. But if you ever didn't know who someone was when they died, just clone them. Figure out who they were, right? That's kind of a shortcut. <laughs> all, you, all, we, all we need, like, all you need when it comes to, comes to like, a fan base is mm-hmm. an idea the developers resonate with and enough people saying we want it and we think yeah. it's true. Like, if, if, you, if those two things happen long enough, you'll get it. So, like, we just need to keep, like, saying that. They'll be like, no, no, it's over. We'll be like, yeah, nice try. It's not over. Says we, the man we're excited. We're, look, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. We're just, just keep looking forward to it. Keep mm. asking about it. Keep talking about it. Keep looking forward to it. Just be, like, really looking forward to the closure of that, that Ivalice story. Yeah. Gabrantha is well, actually uh, yeah, like sure a Dread Pirate Roberts. They just hand off the armor. You're right. the Pirate Roberts now. Treat it, treat it like when The Rock tried to get everyone to call him Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> just, like... No one goes no. for it. Just, just nice try, The Rock. Yeah, nice try, Masuno. We know. <laughs> I you're forget still who made that joke, but it's been stuck in my head ever since. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense yes. in this connotation. <laughs> uh, uh go ahead. the only other field note we had here is about the Diablo oh, armament, really quick, just because though. it was cool and about. Oh, go ahead. Uh, and the end of this one, it does tell us what happens mm-hmm. to all the troops. Uh, 
like two thirds of them just gave up. They were like, hey, we give up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other third fought to uh, be completely murdered. Uh, but the, the two thirds that uh, did give up, they just never tried. They were like, hey, welcome. Welcome to Delmasca. Thanks for giving up. Be citizens now. Um, and yeah. to be fair, a bunch of them were probably from there to begin with anyway, because that's how Garlemald rolls, show up, take over, mm-hmm. and force people into your army. Yeah. Yep. And then the, the couple of last paragraphs are like, we actually don't know if Gabranth is dead, even though this field node already said that he totally mm-hmm. is. And then they basically call him a boogeyman in the very last snippet. Yeah. The ghost of Gabranth. Yeah. I mean, the last line is even further details regarding which will be filed in a future report when they say that the people of Dalmasca still live in fear of him. It's like, <laughs> what do the, you mean future report? The, yeah, the disdain in the words future report as you read them. I could like, I could hear it. I could yeah. feel the spite. Like it resonated through my soul like the echo. Like, Ugh. <laughs> uh. So go ahead, oh. if you. Want. Oh, Diablo Armit. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before about is the vessel for Diablo is he, Diablo's is he in there that sort of thing, and it just kind of goes into detail about why they made it. You know, they're just making vessels. You know, the the better the vessel for a void scent, the more power they will have. Makes sense, right? Um, and it kind of just goes into some detail, which I love. I love this lore about the Allegans mm-hmm. in general. But it's like, it just means that there's a lot more of them. Stay tuned, right? That's what it seems like to me. What about you guys? As you Boy, saw batteries it? everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, there have to be. Where they are, yeah. though, is... We, um, we, we already beat, like, several Lords of the Void between level 50 and level 70. So if they need a way to make them scarier and more powerful, mm-hmm. this could be a Mechanize way to do it. it. I do like the details in this, I guess, just from where we'll go for an RP mm-hmm. perspective, just because yeah. we have a lot of stuff in the game already in so many quests, job quests, any quests. I mean, the Void has been, like you were saying earlier, and well, like, just something that is used all the time in, like, here's the baddies, they're Void sent again. Like, it just keeps coming up, you know? Mm-hmm. So we've seen through various things the way they kind of operate, how people may or may not summon them. We've even seen in, like, some of the raids with like Shadow of Mock and all of that, yeah. some devices that were used in different civilizations to imprison and trap or turn them into things like batteries, right? So like, we have all of that, but it's kind of nice in just this one to hear this discussion about like, ho- like hosts for Void Scent mm-hmm. and like binding them and how binding spells can subjugate them. And then it's, it's harder at higher levels and yeah. um, like all these different little tiny details. Mm-hmm. I just, I dig that and how they kind of talk about creating hosts that are like potent and, you know, like with these weapons for things like primals, you know, they're huge. They're like, they have to be these massive scale things. So it's neat. I just like those details. And if you're somebody that does a lot of void sense stuff, or if that's something that you're curious about, there's definitely like nice little concise discussions about it in this. It's like very uh, Mm -hmm. consistent. Uh, I from my memory with previous voids and lore, like how yeah. things are summoned and what the summon things are put into and the yeah. hierarchy and whatnot. I like how the only two times we've ever really studied it in depth repeatedly are, are Diabolos and that 
Donnie and Goldsmith who really wanted to like have sex with a succubus yeah. and made a whole bunch. Of, if you have not put this side story together from all of the pieces oh. that they've left throughout the game, please look into this. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> okay. Have you missed that one, Zen? Yeah, where do you start? Where do I find this? Okay. So pretty much half of the vo half of the void sent minions, everything that is from the void related 24 man raid bosses, <laughs> uh, the there's a note in goo ball on the floor where you put it together. There's this Gridanian goldsmith who was just like super into the idea of of like he just thought void sent were hot. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, he's not alone, right? Other people are into him. Diary, yeah. His diary ends up in uh, the Gooball's Forbidden section, I think, because he ended up doing all sorts of weird stuff. So they hanged him for his crimes, and his body is now missing, and new anatomically correct void scent minions are yep. showing up places. But, like, there's this whole thing where he goes on a spiel about, like, how hot would it be if Lady Amandine was a succubus? I want to try to find I a woman who that. looks like Lady Amandine, and I'm going to turn mm. her into a succubus, yeah. and then I'm going to have sex with it. And like, instead of that happening, he summons a mind flayer. He's like, "No, the tentacles, no!" And like, <laughs> so there are all these pieces of his story all over the game. If you have not found and put this together, please look into it. I'm not oh. crazy. I swear to God. No, I definitely oh some of those God. things bring. True. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. need like a video. Yeah. I'm like I'm working in my head, just like in an overdrive right now. Like a video where like somebody or like maybe even me, who knows? I'm a content creator. I have the yeah. power, but at what cost? Like I make an alt of him, and then I go around and I narrate his journal. <laughs> yes. And I like actually make cutscenes. Could this be a collaboration between you and Moose? Moose, could you voice him? I would. Could you I'd voice be there. him? This would be hilarious. <laughs> we gotta talk more about this. This would be the funniest thing ever. <laughs> this is the best thing I've learned all year about Final yes. Fantasy XIV. And this man, he is a true <laughs> reflection of this community's needs yes. and desires. Really? And I like. He's champion of Eorzea. Yes. He is so a warrior of light. Did we just did we just figure out the next arc like Mecha Amandine? Yeah. Like, oh my god. <laughs> if I were going back to Father the Father of Darkness, this guy Jim who really wanted to get it on with the succubus. <laughs> so if if, well, if it's Mecha Amandine, is then she is she yeah, we'll get a, a sex spot also? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah it would just be like a kind of reflection yeah. of where real real society's technology is going. We'll combine oh, in no. the Diabolo armament stuff mm. into it. We'll make a mechanized void scent vessel. We'll not summon a mind flayer into it this time. I mean, unless yeah. you're into the tentacles. We'll we'll get this together. We'll workshop it. <laughs> Well, I love that as I say this, I glance at chat as I as the review stated this, and I Fusion says that sounds like something Rook would write. Thanks, Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. Were oh. you supposed to be melting today? Why are you here? <laughs> <sighs> if he didn't melt before, that burn might get him. <laughs> Um, no, this would be amazing, and I do agree. Yes, this is something I'd probably do, and I would be—I would never it's feel just, like I regretted a moment of it. <laughs> it's so funny to me that these are the only two times we ever like all talk 
all that depth about how void center summoned in the vessels mm-hmm. and how they work and stuff like that. It's either just like, oh, this one's shoved into an eyeball. Oh, this one's shoved into this. But or it's an in-depth thing about Diabolos or the guy who's hot for the void. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean that's. I'd- I feel like that's the community at large as well. Like very serious lore, also banging hot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me let me let me bring in the trichotomy. So okay. another thing that the community loves is to cry. So when I saw Diablo's armament, I was like, man, you know what's still around in the void? All the warriors of light who tried to make it. You know what would suck having to fight them. <laughs> In these armaments, where they're like, please don't. I tried to save the world. Like, there you go. There's the other part, the tearjerker. Please. I would love to see that. Hurt me more. Yeah. Hurt me, dog. <laughs> Make me feel emotions. Make me feel all the emotions. Big yipes. I'm yeah, never going to be able to stop thinking about this hot for void scent man. I just, I, like, I'm just literally going to go to sleep thinking about him tonight. <laughs> I'm going to, like, think about him for the next four days. Thank you for this gift, Moose. I <laughs> And seriously, if there's anything I can do, do to help make that series actually happen, I don't, I don't oh, care. I'll do it. I'll get we all the pieces. I'll see how many of the pieces this. I can get together, and we'll see what we'll Please see what you that. think of the pieces. I will voice act anyone Additional else in this need. We can yes. make the characters. We can set up these scenes. Yeah. Look, Aldino, you have all kinds of technical knowledge, and you have that great DM mind. We can. Is he <laughs> gonna build our Mecha Amandine? Build our Mecha <laughs> <laughs> We can do this through a variety of mediums and the power of video editing. <laughs> That's yeah, what I... my degree is in. Zen, get in so... here. We had to make this a project. I believe in this. <laughs> that was it for the armament. Like, I don't even care anymore about the armament. Like, this Nothing was else matters, only this. <laughs> All right, so like, into... uh, yeah. they keep, they keep sprinkling precious little void, uh, sprinkles that's not a good word on us um the whole this this whole expansion just in different places you know like oh yep. here's some here's some stuff about the shadow keeper here's some stuff about diablos here's some stuff about eden maybe fixing the void and you know you know what has to be coming so i'm just happy that there's more void stuff mm-hmm. for them being like you know we're just we're just building your foundations for that thing that you want later right yes mm-hmm. thank you give give yoshi p give give a question for all of you uh-huh. What were what was or were your favorite field notes? Honestly, I, I like the I like the the Diablo one. I I like the mm-hmm. <laughs> the lore there. That one's good. That one's good. Me, it's everything about the Landis and the Mage Knights and that whole mm-hmm. lore. I want so much of that. Like to me, that's what I feel that we're missing in this city state kind of idea like of course the charlian who are scholars and they 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 hoard the knowledge they don't give it out where are the the high magic you know utopian society of mage knights who are not actually utopian i want that that's my favorite type of fantasy so as soon as i see those i will find all of them like i've read every single one of them love it 
I like several. I like several of them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked a, I liked a lot of the background and the world building and the explanations. I liked. It's really tough because I did. I liked them all for different reasons. I like Messia's kind of dive into her perspective of why she thought she was righteous. Um, Pagaga's got me good. Yeah. Um, as far as just like the random generals you see on the field, I loved the Landis trio because I really thought it was building up to something. Um, Gilbra Bear is that I don't remember how we're calling oh, him, but I love that idea of just like the cult around the espers and that yeah. he was just like super into Aurasite. I, lo- I, I liked a lot of them for different reasons. Whenever somebody mentions Aurasite, I get nervous. Because some of the earliest stuff about uh, the 14th and and those voids sent there ha- had to do with people using Arasite and using it wrong and mm-hmm. Aether bleeding. and I think in the end, we're going to learn that Arasite is just a nickname for any sort of crystal that interacts with spiritual ether instead of corporeal ether and uses it as a vessel in a certain way. Because... Orosite is also what they called the heart of Sabik in Japanese. Okay. It's jet black Orosite. And that. so, yeah, they, that's something else that needs to be cleaned up. I mean, that whole thing needs to be cleaned up because you got the, you know, a, a, a shard of Zodiac, which is also Orosite, which casts Ultima, but Ultima is this deity thing that makes Orosite. And also, we have an Asian named Altima. Somebody, please make sense of this. Yeah. I can make sense of it, but it'll be sh- sh- random shit I made up. Yeah. Like, I need someone to officially come make sense of this. I would love to just, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, just how Hades has that other form, Ultima's other form as an Asian was yeah. that wild angel lady with big mouth on the bottom. But we could be so many different things. <laughs> From Stu in chat, Aurasite is now available in white, black, prismatic, memory, and lemon flavors, <laughs> as well as Zodiac. The, I, I just, uh, the hardest to beat, yeah. After we saw the kind of stones of the office, I was like, ah, oh, could it be that those are the memories of, no, it can't be. There is no office of Zodiac. But like, ah. Is this, there's so many tantalizing. I think that's that's why I think it's a catch-all. Yeah. I think yeah. there's going to be lots of different types of aura sight by the mm-hmm. end, oh. and that the ones that are that are the um, espers that we saw in the Evil East story are just one specific set of them, and that if they wanted to do something with it for the office stones, that would be a different subset of them. Um, if they wanted to do something with it for Hydaelyn and Zodiac, that would be a different subset of them. Mm. I don't like that. <laughs> title like, title so something angry. something so that I know what it is and it only does one thing, maybe two. <laughs> oh, I already said it myself, but I loved the Dabog lore. I, I just oh, thought yes. that was or so Dabog. fun. I just, I mean, it's not fun because it's really, really miserable what happened to him, but it's also fun because that was another case where I think little seeds in your mind of like, oh, this could be kind of fun if they did this, kind of manifested, right? The idea of somebody being altered to the point where they could almost, you know, link with these machines and control them with their, like, their mind. I was like, I love it. I eat that up. I will take every single bit of it. And then also just like the complexities of his character. 
Pagaga also really got me though. And the Pagaga fan art is so good. I just want her to come back if nothing else at some point as some kind of character because she's so fun. <laughs> I mean, one of the notes, uh, I guess it's the DeBrenth note, actually does say that like all of the officers just kind of pieced out and we don't know where they are. So she good. It was fun to see some of the Doman characters as well, or like the characters that yeah. are coming over. I was surprised to see them yeah. in that zone, and I thought that was neat that like the trio is it the trio of ninja as well, and then some yeah. of the other characters. I liked that a lot too. The first time I saw them, country. yeah, the first time I saw them, I was like, "Why is that a familiar name?" And like three more fates where I saw them, it finally clicked, and I was like, "Those yeah. are the guys. Those are the traitors. Those are you know them already. That's awesome." So, yeah, that was great. I like that. I yeah. just, Overall, I saw it again as, like, set up for the third arc. Like, it means a lot to Hien to be able to consolidate the various authority and fax factions together, the Eastern Alliance. And the Eastern Alliance is not the Eastern Alliance without Dalmasca. So I think they all have a vested interest in consolidating the leadership of the Dalmaskan resistance and joining the Eastern Alliance, because it's just important to the security of the world in his perspective. So even if it never manifests, I did love seeing that they remembered to include him in that process, supporting that process. Arsonius in chat says that the Lionfield note actually says Pagaga is with him. Yeah. Yep. Specifically. So you'll probably see that crazy little girl again. Um... Is that all we want to talk about? I think we finally got to the end. Uh, I don't think there's anything I would... else. I think no, I've indulged we... in all the rants I needed. Okay, okay. I think so too, but I, I would say definitely go to Gamerscape. Go look at those field notes. If you haven't gotten yeah. all of them, I know. I know. It's kind of hard to get some of them. They made it a little bit easier. They are such worth the read. They are so, I mean, even if it's not true, the story that they have set up is still a good one. Right, yep. I don't think it's a good conclusion <laughs> at all, but it's a good story at the very least. Agreed, and it's I, not I think, ending, but it is an ending. I think overall, agreed. Like it, it's there are a lot of things that we did get to see, and that I feel really satisfied with with this content. I think that there were so many ways in which it excelled, even if there are areas in which there are maybe some strange gaps or maybe it was just too big and there was no way they would have ever been able to fill in all mm -hmm. the nuances or like, I am still really glad that we got it and that we got to re-envision the content even outside of just another 24 man, right? And that they did some things with this unique storytelling and these different bosses and, um, oh gosh, one that I didn't even mention was the lore with all of the different bosses in a I always call it deli meat, deli meat, Reginald, Delibra. <laughs> yeah. um, with the like them being the morphed versions and and the like lore that and the myth that kind of goes behind. That was so neat. I was like, that's very cool. So there's a lot to dig into in this content. And I would absolutely recommend that people do and that you look into it and connect with it. And like we were saying earlier, go tell Matsuda that you enjoyed it if you did or something about it that you enjoyed on Twitter, because uh, I think the man could use it. <laughs> But overall, there's a lot of really neat things here, and I hope we keep seeing the influence of this game in some way, because there's a lot to take away from Matsuno's work and from this whole setting that I think just makes the game stronger and more diverse as a whole. All right. If that's it, then, we'll start the roll. I, oh. I feel compelled, before we get out of here, yeah. to... to uh agree with, with Jay and chat. We can have our Lilia appreciation moment. Where 
I thought it was very funny to just have this random bun show up with these sunglasses. And when I first saw her, I was like, what? Yeah. Who is this? What are you doing? And throughout the story, we found out that she had this like really deep backstory and was a really good kind of, I think, a foil for Messia in a way um, of different ways you can be conflicted about imperial rule and follow your own sense of justice. Um, did you read her field note by chance? Don't think so. I don't know if okay, I did, so actually. Let's see. L Lilia was a, um, a Dalmascan orphan who was taken into Imperial care. She went through Imperial schooling. They kind of stood by her in that way as an orphan. She was going to be sent to the capital. And then just before she goes off to the military academy, the resistance blows all that out of the water and turns Rabinaster into a battlefield. Um, so while she's in Doma, she befriends Jesse. She starts working at the ironworks, but like even working at the ironworks, she's thinking back to Gibranth's lesson that it falls to each person to use their talents in a way that forges the best life for themselves. So she's like following Gibranth's advice, fighting Gibranth. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I feel like we, we got so much more than just like, a cool, non-problematic, dark-skinned character right. for, for once from Square Enix, um, who just like kind of added a lot of cool stuff to the story. So yes, Lilia appreciation moment. Appreciated, appreciated. I didn't know it. I did not look at that field note at all because for, for me, I was like, okay, she's here and she's doing the thing. Um, but that's that's a lesson right there. You know, if there's a field note, you should read it. You know, I was just yes. saying that. But if yes. there is one, you should read it. You never know. That's interesting, too, because it kind of uh, mirrors the idea of them putting together a new government and still using ideas from the Fourth Legion. Mm -hmm. She's still using Gabranth's advice. The thing I really mm -hmm. liked about this character, <laughs> which is silly, is those those types of sunglasses like make me think of the white plastic frames you see like five-year-olds wear, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. Whenever, yeah, whenever I saw this character, I would just I just had the impression that they were childish, even though they weren't really. But it's neat though, because that does I think give that different facet to her character, and even like the you know the idea of wearing something that almost kind of like deflects. I think others seeing deeper where, you know, you're kind yeah. of hiding behind these, these shades. And she did, I thought she was goofy as well at first, but it grew on me. I was like, she's just doing what she's doing. She's rocking it out. She's dyed her hair. She's got like these sunglasses on. She is just unashamedly being herself in a lot of ways, which I thought was really neat. And then to like learn the other things about her. And I'm sure you could draw a million different sort of, you know, character guesses out of why she might be like that or express herself in that way based off of that like more conflicted background is really interesting yeah. all right here we go you can't you you can't see me pointing but i was pointing can email us at aetheritradio at gamerscape.com or tweet at us at aetheritradio and find us on twitter facebook and discord at gamerscape our discord is discord.gg gamerscape uh, we also have an Aetherite channel there, Aetherite radio channel there, where you can talk to us about stuff you saw during the show that you liked, just stuff you saw during the show that we didn't talk about, you still want to talk about. Pretty much just come talk to us, we like it. <laughs> 
And that'll do it for us today, I believe. Unless anybody has anything to plug or... No. I think I feel very satisfied with where we've left this. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, don't for coming to hang out. Oh, a fourth one, are you sure? Oh, we I'm so sorry. Yeah, fourth. I feel deeply dissatisfied. Okay. We should do another one next <laughs> week. All right. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week for episode 200 of Aetherite Radio. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Yeah.